Hey guys, Madden here. So my man Aaron over here DM'd me about my top 5 games of the year. But little does he know, I basically never play games in the year of release, so this is going to be a super scuffed games of the year list. My only promise is I definitely played them all in 2021. So coming in at number 5, and this is actually a 2021 game, is Super Is Hot. This is an indie game that combines the time moves when you move mechanic from Super Hot and the mechanic of manipulating game rules from Bubba Is You. This game is not only incredible, but also incredibly free. Now it's all downhill from here. At number 4 I have Death Stranding. Now technically the director's cut was released in 2021, so that counts, right? Even if I haven't played that version? Anyway, who knew an Amazon delivery worker simulator could be so compelling? Except my immersion is broken by the fact that I had to pay to play this game when it should obviously be the other way around. At number 3 I clearly didn't even try because over here I have Apex Legends. Alright, alright, so let me quickly amend this one and say Apex Legends Season 11. So the story is, my girlfriend and I used to play Titanfall 2 together every single night for about a year, but we couldn't anymore due to the ongoing DDoS attacks. Eventually we got around to trying Apex Legends, and now it's our favourite game to end the day with. Coming in at number 2, I have Disco Elysium, the Final Cut Edition. The world building, the writing, the art style, the soundtrack, everything just perfectly comes together into this beautiful experience that is as moving as it is entertaining. Finally, my personal game of 2021 is Outer Wilds. I know that the DLC came out in 2021, but I actually haven't played it. And I know that Oren's already recommended this game on multiple occasions, but I really personally think that if there's one game that everyone should play in their lifetimes, it's probably this one. Alright my friends, that's all I have. Thanks so much for having me and I hope you all have a wonderful 2022. Bye! I actually um, did kind of a movie gauntlet. I saw like a movie a day for like six days straight, um, which was is not good for COVID, but this was before Omicron got like really, really bad. Uh, you mean you went to the theaters? Yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm a terrible citizen. But anyway, I saw yeah. West Side Story by Steven Spielberg and loved it, which is weird because I usually don't love Spielberg. I saw um, the new Spider-Man movie, which was actually not terrible. Hmm. Um, I liked it. I saw the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Licorice Pizza, which I actually didn't really like, shockingly. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a good time. It was fun seeing all these movies. Huh? You watched The Matrix too, right? Uh, I was gonna say I watched it, but it's it, it's too much of a culture war. I don't know if I want to give my Is opinion it a on it. Is it? Is it? I thought it was everybody was just kind of medium on it. Well, I think. Uh, you know, it's the discourse isn't as bad as like the Last Jedi, but there's definitely some oh. very loud voices on the internet about it. Um, right. But I saw it. I I, re I personally really liked it, but yeah. I know that not everyone shares that opinion. But uh, I liked it all right. I thought it was you know worth a watch. Uh, it had the guy from Epic Games who's like the the lead uh, person on Fortnite. I don't know what his name is, but the guy's on every Game Awards. Oh yeah. And he has like spiked hair, yeah. but he like shows up in one scene in the Matrix. So I was like, hmm? 
That's funny. I, I didn't read the yeah. article, but PC Gamer said it had a really good commentary on video games in general. The whole movie did. But I didn't read the article. I thought, yeah. I thought so. so yeah. I don't know what the commentary is, but I think that's just because I didn't spend the time putting the pieces together. Definitely definitely it, some stuff that, about video games. Is that a theme in the movie, I'm assuming? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Video games are a theme in the movie for sure. Well, uh, one thing one thing that I liked about the movie is that um, I feel like uh, it kind of reinforced that the Matrix can be whatever you want it to be. Like there's... Mm. There's even this montage in the movie where a lot of characters are saying what they think the Matrix is. Like some one person's like, "It's a commentary on exploitative capitalism," and another person's <laughs> about, "Oh, it's <laughs> about bullet time. It's about guns." And mm-hmm. it kind of made me realize that, like, oh, it could be whatever. Like, you know, this story could be what you want it to be. And I thought that was an interesting message, at least during the first part of the movie. Um, yeah, that's cool. I guess this is this is lightly as it's not really a spoiler but like there's one thing i don't like about the movies just they show clips from the old movies like intercut occasionally like flashbacks sort of things i don't i don't love it when movies do that do they show it like they're like the characters are watching it or they just show it like to remind no 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 okay it's yeah okay no well uh uh i would say yes there is a scene where they actually watch the matrix there's a couple scenes actually where that happens. They seem to imply in that, any in, case, that in, in that in that game that we were playing that with the really good graphics, the uh, Unreal stuff. So let's talk about that. Great segue. Holy shit! Have you guys played <laughs> this fucking Matrix? I didn't even put that in the show notes, but I knew we were, uh, there was something I was forgetting. That is fucking astounding. Have you guys tried this? I, I know Kevin I has because he was next to me. I watched my brother play it on his PS5, and it was funny because that's, that's all you need to do is yeah. watch it. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it. It was amazing, but it was funny because he got into this high speed collision in the game, and mm-hmm. like the frame rate just like went to like ten frames per second. It was hilarious. If that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It I so I played yeah, it the, for the cool. first time on Xbox Series S, and um, unfortunately the Series S, try as it might, love little guy, couldn't quite give the game justice it deserved. So uh, it was it kept going into this low res scenes. So it can it kind of looked like the Matrix on Switch, like I kept doing this like kind of blurry what? fuzz. Yeah, it's a shame because like hmm. I could see like in some scenes like oh the failure of this is really high, but it's hard to tell because the resolution is so low. Um, but when I saw it on the Series X, and I'm sure the PS5 as well, it looked very impressive. It looked like what this generation will look like probably mid to late. You know, totally. Gen. So it's really cool to see that. I'm assuming that when we're gonna, when that finally hits, everything's gonna be 30 FPS on our consoles. I mean, it couldn't even sustain yeah. 30 FPS. And some, like when you're driving, no. the asset streaming seemed to be just tanking the FPS, or just the yeah. I don't know what was yeah. tanking it, but it's so it's interesting because if you haven't played it, I think check it out or at least watch a YouTube video on it. Digital Foundry did a good video breaking down the different tech. Uh, it's it's using a lot of it's using like full uh, it's not full path tracing, but it's like Nanite's version of ray tracing. I don't totally understand how it works in any case extremely good global illumination meaning that like corners and surfaces and areas where light would fall off and occlude look really realistic in a way that video games never do like people always look like there's kind of like a weird glow um and just everything about that game was just so visually impressive it felt like it felt as big of a graphical leap today as like crisis felt in 2007 
I'd agree with that. Damn. Or, and you know, it was co-developed, uh, Aaron and I talked about this already, by uh, the Coalition. They helped them do it. Yeah, I Isn't did that read awesome? that somewhere. That's so, so yeah. it makes me think, damn, is Gear 6 going to look like that? I know. <laughs> it's going to look good. But, I mean, Gear 6 is definitely going to be A side note, I, the rumor good. right now is that uh, Gear 6 is not in development. The Coalition's making an original IP. That's the rumor. So, I'm all right with that. I'm okay with that. As long as they do eventually make Gear 6, I'm okay with giving a little break. But, uh, well, Gears Six ended on a cliffhanger. Gears Five. We need to know what happens. Yeah. Or Gears Five. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it ends on a cliffhanger. The story needs more information for sure. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So check out that. That that is a free download on any of the next gen consoles. It's not available on PC. I think the speculated reason is because it has such high quality assets of Keanu Reeves and Carry On Moss that they. They don't want to risk people ripping that shit out of the game and doing nefarious things with it. Uh, I guess Keanu Reeves is already kind of spoiled on that front with the uh, the cyberpunk. Did you hear? People asked him what he thought about ripping the models. Yeah, people had ripped the model and then like basically made a nude version of it and uh, had made like sex scenes using his model. And they're like, "What do you think about that?" And he's like, "Well, it's good when it's good." <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty charitable response. Yeah. Uh, But, so yeah, check it out if you have an X-Gen console. Speaking of which, for Christmas, I got an Elite controller. The uh, Series Elite controller. And uh, I also have a PS5 controller. So I briefly wanted to talk about my feelings about the two different controllers. I'm very interested. The the Elite controller is... Tell me. (laughs) Yeah, the Elite controller is really nice. It's, It's got, as you know, Kevin, a really good hand feel. Um... I actually really like everything about it except the home button is horseshit. I don't know why they made such a bad home bu- home button. Yeah, I don't feel that way. Because the home button on the on the Series X, you know, the Series controllers is great. So the Elite controller for some reason has a crappier home button. It's worth noting that the home button on the PS5 controller is also dog shit. Like it's mushy. Like you press on it. And I'm like, did I even press that? I'm not sure. Whereas the PS4, like I've got this right here. It's pretty good. This is a pretty good feeling uh, home button. So I don't know what's these people like you use the home button all the time. It should feel good, but I like everything else about it. I haven't gotten used to the paddles yet on this series elite controller, but the, uh, the standard series X S controllers are really good. I think they're the best controllers that Microsoft has made except for the elite controller, except they have this problem where the trigger sticks. Like uh, the glue in the back of it can sometimes grab a hold of the trigger. So when you have it fully engaged, it gets stuck. Have you had this happen to you, Orn? No, I don't think so. I, I haven't really had problems with that controller, to be honest. Sorry, but did you say that the Series I, S and X controller is the best controller, you think? That they've made, except... No, 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 no. It's the best controller Microsoft has made. The, sure. The Series... Right. I think, actually... Wait, which one is? Okay, I think the Elite is their best okay, controller, gotcha, obviously. Okay. But for in terms of their like generational controllers, their current-gen right. controllers are really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also think that the PS5 controller is really, really good. It feels really good in the hand. It has really... All the buttons are great, the, except for the stupid home button. I do think that the rumble features on the PS5 controller, as everybody's noticed, are better. But in some games, it's like too much. Like, Orange brought this up, Deathloop. It... 
It's too much, man. It's too much yeah. in Deathloop. It's it's like don't it's like a distracting. That game. Don't feel. Don't fire. Can machines. you turn it off? Or or turn the settings to yeah. Of course, okay. you, yeah. You can totally turn it off. So that's that's great. I think in a game like Returnal, it's incredible. In a game like Ghost of Tsushima, it's really good. I think it'll be amazing in driving games. Do you think that I, I can't wait to see Returnal? How. Uh, do you think that it's like, like is that like good enough to sell the game? Just that. Or the console, like, is it is it a killer feature for 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 the killer app for PS Five? No, no, okay, no. I, I would rather play Returnal with a mouse and keyboard and no vibration. Returnal but, is the killer app for PS Five, right? Is that are we in agreement on that? I haven't even played it, but I'm assuming I'm gonna that's that is. It's it's my favorite PS Five game, okay. for sure. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's really good. So I don't know. I think we're in a pretty good state across the board as far as controllers go. I hope that. Microsoft can apparently they said they might be able to patch in better haptics, but I wouldn't mind seeing them release an updated controller that kind of adds some of the features functionality of the PS5 controller. I don't know. Phil Could Spencer cool, said, but that I, I really, really like them both, and that they were they tried that. Yeah, so, hopefully. No, they had commented on maybe doing that, so I I think that would be would be a good step. But across the board, you you should be pretty happy, except for with those home buttons on the Elite and the PS5 controller. Just Bad, 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 bad. Uh, PS5 VR has been announced. It looks awesome. Really good. High quality. It's who knows. Will there be any games? I'm not sure. Here's a prediction. We're not supposed to make any predictions this episode, but I'm going to make one prediction. Half-Life Alex is coming to PS5. Mm. I, I dig it. I really hope they do because that's such a killer game. Like Get, get it to a wider audience would be a really smart move. And if they got a high fidelity, mm-hmm. you know, powerful console, high fidelity game. It's a win. They should totally do it. Yeah. Actually, this makes sense because uh, Sony had acquired a company known for making VR games recently, and people were like speculating on what that was about. I can't remember the name of the company, but I guess this makes sense of that. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, Oren, Ken Levine, good guy, greatest guy. Uh, he's a, he's, he's a, a kind of a, a hero of mine a little bit, but I'm, I'm noticing having read a lot of literature recently on the guy and reading Jason Schreier's press for reset book. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I like the guy anymore. <laughs> Could you elaborate? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us more. No, I'm not going to elaborate. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Okay. I, I, I'm going to elaborate. Yeah. The, um, so a news story broke on Bloomberg um, about Ken Levine's workplace uh, culture at his new studio. And he's been in development on a new game for like six years. Yeah. And he is just um, uh, going on seven. Yeah, I'm reading about that going forever on seven. ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, forever ago. And he's just not he's his workplace culture is just bad. He's like the he's the kind of person who will um, you'll present like assets to him. And be like, oh, we designed this whole level for you with this gameplay feature. And then he would like look at it and be like, this isn't my vision. And then I'll like throw it out the window. And it's just that sort of workplace culture and indecisiveness has just led to a lot of burnout. And it's it's tragic to see that. Um, But it's kind of been interesting for me personally, because and I don't know what you guys think, but in video games and in media in general, there's this thing called auteur theory that like, you know, a per- one person kind of takes ownership and one person's vision takes ownership of a game like Hideo Kojima, Yoko Taro, etc. And in this case, it just kind of feels like, 
we're seeing the dark side of that where these kind of personalities that have so much of like a mythic status has kind of permitted them to be exploitative and burn out their employees in a way that I don't think is ethical. And I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think of that, Aaron? Uh, I'm very skeptical of auteur theory in general. Uh, it's something I used to be, I used to take very seriously and be like, Oh, I love Stanley Kubrick and Akira Kurosawa. And then, you know, as you learn more about how films are made, you realize that these are built by huge numbers of people. And it's, it's not like a, an author writing a book. Um, so I'm skeptical of it, but I think in the case of video games, I'm even more skeptical of it because they're built by such large teams, especially today, right? Like modern games that are built by teams of 150 to 500 people. And I think with someone like Ken Levine, like the sort of mystique around the games, and let's be honest, the guy's made two really important games and a third game that's, that's controversial, uh, like is kind of enabled him to just be a total asshat in the workplace. And like the kind of stories that you hear about is he would tell people, go design this feature and have them design it for six months and ask them to crunch and work as hard as they can. And then he'd be like, oh, you know what? I just don't like that anymore. We're cutting the whole thing. And he would just do that all the time and be super dismissive and just be kind of smug. Like it really kind of sounds like he has a personality disorder, like a, like a verifiable, diagnosable personality disorder. So I guess that's what I think. He's, uh, oh yeah, go ahead, Kevin. You know, I feel mixed about it because, you know, I can think of games where you had a, you had a studio make a game and then you had another studio make a sequel to that game and it definitely misses the feeling, the style, the vibe, the aesthetic, whatever you want to say about it. So I do think, like, this, There, I think it's a valid idea and I think, like, if I play a Hideo Kojima game, like, I think the people he surrounds himself with, like, will agree or have a similar kind of take on like where he wants to go. But like, I definitely, like I was just looking at like the details of MGS2. Like I always like to look at that game because Metal Gear Solid 2 still, in my opinion, is like one of the most detailed games I've ever played and seen. And I was just thinking like, no one talks about the programmer for that game, but he had to program him or his team. They just had to program every single thing that happens in that game. Every little possible interaction he programmed by someone. So, you know, we don't talk about them. We talk about Hideo. But on the flip side, like I, I think that's kind of the people he'd want to surround himself with. That's the team that he wants. That's the kind of thing he's looking for. So I feel like it's it is valid. But I, like I think that we shouldn't just solely look at the one person and be like, well, they may have the vision, but all the people who built it up, you know, who can work with that vision understand it. Like I think it's, it's like having a vision is one thing, but then like being able to make that vision a thing is another thing that's like really not talked about, and that's like probably more important. <laughs> So yeah, Warren. yeah, I, I, I just, uh, um, I think you're totally right. I think like there is like a lot of, I mean, there are certain auteurs who I love who consistently make singular stuff. Like, I mean, David Lynch, like no one can make a David Lynch movie. Right. And it's, but, uh, at the same time, like there is kind of like this weird dark side where I think because Ken Levine is seen as this like mythic game designer who made Bioshock and was involved with system shock Two etc it's like um a lot i think that kind of leads a lot of people to kind of accept and like this is actually in jason trier's book which i'm reading right now press reset thanks to aaron's recommendation um i uh i've been reading the book and uh a lot of the people who are working on bioshock infinite they would just say like um okay i mean i haven't really seen my family in a year maybe two years and uh, a lot of the stuff that I've created has been thrown out the window by Ken, but like it's in the service of art, so it's okay. 
And, and like that whole mindset, I think is very dangerous and leads to, the, to that kind of burnout culture. Yeah. What I wanted to say was on the, on the what, flip side too, I think of this idea, like, I think in my opinion, like the Okotaro's, the Hideotaka, uh, Miyazaki's, the, you know, Hideo's, like it worked, it seemed, to, it seemed to work well from the outside. I don't know what their work culture is like, but I do think the, the, the bad side is this kind of like tech entrepreneur thing where people are like, oh my God, like everything they touch is gold and they're super geniuses and like, oh, we have to worship them. And I can think of many tech entrepreneurs who I don't like and they, you know, mm. so, uh, you know, I, I, it's kind of, it sounds like Ken Levine's a douchebag <laughs> from, from what you guys are saying. I haven't actually read the book, but I can understand the, the kind of, you know, angle they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What, one thing that's worth noting is that after they released Bioshock Infinite and had, a, you know, a lot of success there, he went on to work on this new game and, to, and created a separate studio. But when he did that, he intentionally closed down Irrational Games because he was unwilling to let that stu- that studio continue to produce games without him and his guiding vision. Yeah. Which means that he literally, like 200 people lost their jobs because he was like, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be a part of this and I don't want to let you guys besmirch my good fucking artistic name. Megalomaniac, so. sounds like. Yeah. Hey, and Bioshock 2 was great. You know what? That was made by 2K Marin. It had some of the guys from Bioshock 1, but that was primarily a completely different studio, and they managed to make a you know successful Bioshock game that people liked. I liked it. Did you like as like Bioshock 2? No Ken Levine? Well, well it's, I actually wanted to bring that up because in the Press Reset book, um, they talk about Bioshock 2 a lot, and it's kind of weird because that game kind of doesn't get enough rep because the, the people who were on that game and in that studio, they went on to make so many like different games that are classics now, like the gone home guys came from that um a lot of like matt stone and trey parker's collaborator collaborators um they like came from that studio like so many people came from that studio so it's like it's kind of wild to think that bioshock 2 was the foundation for a lot of great talent so yeah mm-hmm. i like the game was 2. definitely managed better so that's for sure my, like back when they like i remember reading about when they're announcing Bioshock 2 and they had a different studio working on it and I was like worried I'm like oh this isn't going to be what the first game was it's going to be like another studio they're not going to understand it like I remember having this exact fear and then playing it I'm like oh this is actually a great game and then playing Bioshock Infinite and not liking Bioshock Infinite so like it was the opposite of what my expectations were like the original studio's follow up to the game I liked wasn't what I expected and the other studio did a better job so you know case by case I guess (laughs) I feel it, but I think it's a valid point because Bioshock Infinite, like that, that whole development was a train wreck. Yeah. And a lot of it was because Ken Levine couldn't make up his mind and he poorly managed and exploited his, his, uh, and burnt out his employees while Bioshock two, it was like a bunch of creative people. Like it was even in, in, in the press reset book, it was a more egalitarian structure. Like the lead designer realized that it was better if it was like a team of like six or seven people who would bounce ideas off of the, each other. And that's how Bioshock two got made. Like it was more like, I'm not going to, there's not going to be like one person leading this. So it kind of makes you think like, is that more egalitarian structure better for game industry? Like is having just this one auteur that everyone worships, is that really like the, the way to go? Cause we, we see that with Bioshock infinite. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Interesting Bioshock story. Bioshock 2, uh, good game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I haven't played it, but um, or I played a little bit of it. I talked about that recently, but like only a few hours. Played more of uh, Minerva's Den, which was kind of cool. Uh, in other news, Jason Schreier also canceled E3. 
It's done. Wow. It's online only. No longer will you be able to go to E3. Kevin famously attended one of the last true E3s back in 2018. He did it. He did it for the pod. Good man. Yeah. Uh, I also got to go to an event, and I I got to meet Jason Schreier. I told him to cancel E3, so it's my fault. Um, but what do you guys think about that? Aaron. End of an era. I'm so sad about it. Uh, E3 was so fun, and every year that it happened, I always wanted to go again. I should have gone in 2019. It was a mistake. The, um, you know how like if you guys ever been to like a live performance, like a concert, there's like this crowd energy that you can kind of feel like the excitement. That's how sure. it was at E3. Like you could like everywhere you go was this kind of just like this hype vibe. Everyone was really excited. It didn't seem like I didn't talk to a lot of people, but it didn't seem like there was like a lot of negativity. Whereas like if you look at the internet about video games it's kind of all just this gushing negativity toxicity but like e3 everyone was just excited and positive and like they're all went excited to play games and everyone was all dressed up with all the different characters they liked and everything and it was just really cool to go to the booths and talk to the, the people who are working there they're all excited and you know i got to meet the rage 2 director i was really excited about rage 2 at the time i you know wasn't quite what i'd hoped but i still liked the game but it was just a cool experience like to kind of meet the people who are working on it and and see that stuff so i'm super sad that it's 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 gone i, I like was really like if they had had it again you know, in two years when the quarantines were less serious, I would have totally gone again. But yeah, I, I don't know about Jeff Keighley's summer game show replacement. I'm unsure about that. I don't I don't want Jeff Keighley also to, online to be uh, the sole games news guy. I like Jeff Keighley, yeah. but I think like the E3 was kind of like this, like the industry comes together and it was more, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there still is going to be press conferences. Right. There still will be an online component to E3. So, like, there, it, it still will exist in some form, but there won't be a show floor yeah. for the foreseeable future probably ever. But they, they could bring it back, potentially. How, how are we going to do networking anymore? Like, it's like, because it, there's so many stories of, of, you know, E3 or some other conference where a developer meets somebody they bounce the ideas off of each other and that turns into a collaboration and it just kind yeah. of, it seems like that's going to be harder and harder to do if, if we don't have those networking opportunities. So the future is looking weird. We'll see. I, I really think that there's a difference too, between the culture of people in, in person and the culture of people on the internet. They're just very different experience. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still the game developer conference that happens every GDC, uh, yeah, that's true. March, GDC, but that's not obviously. I mean, neither was E3 until recently open to the public. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should get passes to GDC uh, next year. Is that Europe? <laughs> no, it's in San Jose. Oh. Uh, it's even closer than E3 <laughs> for you me could, at least. You could drive. <laughs> it's twenty-five minute drive yeah. for you, buddy. It's uh, closer than my drive to work. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. The last bit of news I have, uh, curious what you guys think about this. So Ghost of Tsushima recently sold 8 million copies and Sony made a big deal out of it. And the Days Gone developer who had commented on this issue previously said, hey, look, we also had 8 million sales and they didn't say anything about that. They made it, they kind of brushed it under the rug. Um, and he had expressed, not because he heard anything specifically, but just sort of the vibe that he got was that Sony valued Metacritic store, uh, score and, and sort of critical esteem over sales which is interesting like my first response to that was kind of like oh that sucks but then like i don't know the more i think about it i'm like well normally we hear the opposite like we hear about these games that are like critically loved and then they sell poorly and they get canceled 
this is kind of like the opposite problem. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it's kind of gotten me to think a, a little bit about, um, <laughs> and I know this sounds weird, but I've been thinking about this a lot with film culture as well. But I think there is kind of this um, consensus culture in uh, games media about like what the good games are. Mm-hmm. that kind of exists outside of the bubble of how people actually consume these games. And so many people loved Days Gone. You know, it got mm-hmm. like sevens and sixes, but like so many people bought it and played it and loved it. And it kind yeah. of makes me wonder like how it is it is a little bit of a bubble, I think. Like I think like not just games journalists, but just like the game industry as a, as a whole and how they treat like what is successful, what is good. Like sometimes that isn't reflective of how people actually consume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree yeah. with you. I feel like there's, I feel like there's people who are in the in the bubble, like all like talk. Oh, this is the this is the good. This is it. but like that's not what's reflective of consumption of games at all. I think they all kind of like to sit in their high chair and be like, oh, well, we know the good stuff, but like they listen to each other more than probably everyone else is listening to them. I mean, I don't know. I I, I I'm kind of bothered by like the idea this idea i've heard that capcom said the same thing and they're saying they're they're they had this long thing they're talking about games production and and how Mm -hmm. digital games live forever and they sell better so you know blah 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 blah. but basically also this idea of like they were saying like oh well investors actually like it when games have a high metacritic um Hmm. and i know like i've also you know you hear about developers getting bonuses from activision if they games get a certain metacritic so it's like it's not like did it sell a certain milestone did it get a certain metacritic i just really like to challenge this like metacritic critic like journalist like culture and like i feel like they hold too much esteem and power over like the games in general um i feel like they Mm kind of speak for the public too and i don't like that so um yeah i don't know i i I, i'm i'm not a fan of this idea personally yeah yeah good points um kevin you've definitely mentioned this before but uh i don't know it so they didn't the one thing they didn't say and i don't know what the case is is that it was it had anything to do with shareholders which is i guess the one thing that makes me kind of like view this a little with a little more nuance like is it seems like it's part of sony's brand to sort of cultivate a culture like in the same way that hbo maybe more 10 years ago was like hey you know like if hbo put out a show and people were like mixed on it they would probably can it even if it had high viewership because they wanted to be known as hbo products meet this certain threshold um and it's Sony has definitely cultivated a very similar like brand, um, even if we don't agree that all of their esteemed games are, are as good as, as other people do. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. Like part of me likes it that they're not it, they don't seem to be like just completely valuing sales. But at the same time, you know, I don't know, it's the, the Days Gone developers were like, hey, we want to make a sequel. We think we could improve it. And they were like, nah, you guys guess you guys didn't like show up well enough. I, so I also that's, like that's think shitty. that like I know Orin mentioned this like if you if if this is true, it does seem to be like it could be true. If you look at Sony's games, they're all third person action story games, like pretty much all of them. So it seems like they're kind of they they're kind of have a homogenous product that they're producing. So it like it does seem to kind of mesh with that feeling. This doesn't feel like the, that if you if that's their goal, it doesn't feel like they're as daring as other publishers. Like if you think of. You know, I mean, I guess Ubisoft makes a bunch of only open world games, but like Microsoft, I guess they put out a ton of different types of games. They put out, we got simulators, mm-hmm. flight sim, we got, you know, all sorts of stuff, Halo, shooter, blah, 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 everything, yeah. everything. So I guess I just, I don't know. I, 
I, I don't love the idea. What do you say, Aaron? Yeah. I also think that, like, but what both of you guys said about Metacritic having too much clout and the sort of, you know, consensus culture of critics sort of speaking for, for fans is, is uh, troubling. Yeah. Which, although I think it's eroding a lot, but yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope it erodes too, because I, I think it's even worse in other sectors, like in the film industry. Like a lot of people will treat this like one movie as like this masterpiece that like is going to connect with everybody, and it's really only in their like little L.A. and New York bubbles that feel that way. Yeah, like, the rest of the world doesn't feel <laughs> that way. So it's it's kind of it's like mm. that's like, but like that that's the thing. It's like with video games, like. Um, I listened to kind of funny games cast and Greg Miller and like all those guys, I, I, I enjoy listening to listening to them, but they all talk to the easy allies guys. They all talk to the giant bomb guys. They all talk to people actually in the industry. Like they talk to video game developers. And like when you have that network, that's all shared, mm-hmm. a lot of people's opinions and feelings start to rub off on each other. And it's, and I think because of that, like you get this kind of consensus culture where it's like we're all going to agree that God of War is the best game of the generation because everyone has been saying that in my circle for five years, you know. So right, and, and then like the sad thing is that a lot of those people were like Days Gone, bad game, mediocre game, and mm. uh, and that that wasn't the case. Like a a lot of people played it and liked it, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect it to be bad, but I still bought it because I, I wanted to support Sony putting games on PC because that's something I want them. I want them to do well. I want, I want it to be a market they succeed in because I want to play more of their games on PC. So I bought the game expecting it to be bad or mediocre, and it was actually really fun, and I really liked it so far. And, and, it, and it felt like it met their like, you know, their. I felt like it met their vision of a Sony game too. Like it didn't seem like it wasn't a Sony game. Like it felt like it yeah, had prestige, you know. It's worth noting that it also has like a 93 score on Steam with 20,000 reviews. So like yeah. the I don't know if that's because by the time it was released on Steam they had patched out bugs or all fixed criticisms yeah. or or what or if it's just a different consensus but like like it's got a good Steam score. Like not a lot of games have a 93 on Steam. That's that with especially with, you know, tens of thousands of uh, reviews. So weird I don't know. Uh I will say Having played some of the the Sony recent crop, like I think a game like Returnal is a very it, it, it's outside. Even though it is a third person game that has some cinematic elements, although they're pretty light, it, it, it's a pretty risky game. Like that's an ultra hard game with procedural generation. Like they, they took a big risk on that one. I think they take a risk. They like I think like twenty percent of their games are kind of risky ventures. Forty percent of their games are like safe bets, like Ratchet and Clank, and then they kind of have a mix in between. Yeah. Um, Death Stranding, yeah. It's not Death Stranding, yeah. Sure. Bloodborne, Demon Souls. I mean, Bloodborne. They knew. Come they on, I knew that that was going to be. There's no way. I don't know. I feel like I. I don't, I don't think so. Actually, I, I don't know. Bloodborne. Like, what the Souls genre wasn't popular when Bloodborne came out. Bloodborne was the sea change. I feel like. Yeah. I don't think so. Like, no. no. Well, I think. But I, I think, think that, you and I were too close to it. I think. Well, but by the time that we had played Dark Souls, it was starting to hit pick up steam. And mm-hmm. and Dark Souls two and all like Dark Souls two was like a big deal when it came out and that was yeah. in development with Bloodborne. I feel like they they knew by that time. I mean, maybe it was but, maybe it was yeah. more risky then, but I don't feel like it was a risky. Yeah. Like, I don't think they there was any chance that Bloodborne would have been a bad game. Like how well, come on? No, this no, no, no. Makes, but whether like, or not it been a, a successful game, is the, the question. Decade. Yeah, 
But I don't think that opinion was broadly held until after Bloodborne. I think there was a, a small group of people who, like, I think Doug, like uh, Dark Souls was more niche, but, like, very adored by it. It was a little more cult before that. But, I mean, obviously Sony understood, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, they also, Demon Souls, right? Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the news. And now we're going to move on to, we have, a, it's our Game of the Year podcast. Probably should have mentioned that at the top. But uh, we're going to, we have three categories. The first is just going to be kind of a quick little listing of the favorite games that we personally played for the first time or completed for the first time in 2021 that are not from 2021. And, and so, uh, Oren. Did you say that we completed or, it? Would you? Sorry. Yeah, so so or we don't have to have completed it, but the games you played for the first time that were very meaningful to you, yeah. Uh, should I read through the list? Is that what you want? Because we have a list. Well, tell games. me about your games. Like, what what do you got, buddy? What do you bring okay. to the table? Okay. Well, I, I brought a couple games to the table. Um, Call of the Sea is a game that I played last year, th- this past year. I even made a video essay on it um, on my channel. And uh, I think, uh, if I'm being really honest with myself, I think it was my favorite game of 2020. Um, mm. I uh, I love The Last of Us Part Two, despite my problems with it love Hades, but uh, I thought Call of the Sea was a really meaningful upgrade on the Lovecraft myth and uh, got rid of a lot of like the white supremacist elements <laughs> of Lovecraft and made it more modern and progressive and romantic. So Call of the Sea is a game that I love. Um, I also added uh, Gears 5 to this list, which um, I did not play when it came out, and I love that game. I put 100 hours into it. Um, one of the best multiplayer experiences. Um, I put Destiny 2 on here because um, I never played it before and I played it on Game Pass and I really enjoyed that gameplay, um, that gameplay loop, and it really gave me that Halo fix. And I have a couple more I added on to here. Um, I added Splitgate, which is uh, the Halo, um, the fan-made Halo game uh, that has portals. That's how it changes up the Halo por- formula. And in some ways, I think it's a better Halo game than Halo Infinite because I think it's like really focused. It's like a lot more focused than Halo Infinite, and it feels more like a true Halo game in a lot of ways. Not saying it's mm. better necessarily, but in some ways, it's better. Mm. And then my final selection, and this is for me, in my opinion, my favorite game that I played this year that's not from this year, which is Sea of Thieves. In my opinion, Sea of Thieves is the greatest multiplayer game ever made. Like the amount of fun that I've had with my friends exploring the seas and just how um, immersive that gameplay loop is. The uh, immersion gameplay is just unmatched. Uh, I love Sea of Thieves. I still played it. I play it. I actually played it yesterday. So for me personally, my favorite game from uh, that's not from this year that I played this year for the first time was Sea of Thieves. Awesome. Awesome. Kevin, what, what, what did you play this year? I don't have a lot um, of games because I, pr- I primarily play a lot of games that came out in the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, the only one that I really I sunk some time into was Valhalla. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I did not play mm. that in 2020 um, when it came out because I had all these other open world games I was playing, <laughs> including Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But uh, I've really enjoyed playing uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I have not completed it yet. Um, it is a JRPG epic, essentially, in the campaign. It's 90 hours to beat, I think, the campaign. <laughs> so it's a huge... That's if you beeline it, right? Dude, it's huge. It's, like, insane. Yeah, I know. So, um, 
it's a really good game. I really think that um, them focusing more on the combat, adding new types of enemy enemy variations with different strengths and weaknesses has really improved the game. I think they still need to improve the world in terms of how you consume it, the way that you consume a part of the world, mm-hmm. and you never go there again. That, I think there should always be a reason mm-hmm. to go back to stuff in open world games, in my opinion. That's that's what yeah. makes a good open world, is you can you get to know it, you get to learn it, you get to know every corner, every you know, cranny. So uh, I think that it's probably the step in the best direction I think they've had in terms of a lot of their gameplay stuff. Um, I really like the stealth. I like, you know, I like all that stuff. I, I, I don't know if you, I guess Orion hasn't played Aaron, you don't, you're not big in the stealth in Assassin's Creed, right? Uh, you know, mm, I don't know. I like that you can move bodies. Okay. Well, I love, I love making body. Files, I like how the stealth that's, is that's like, a... you can do it, but you don't have to do it, but it's definitely there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The game kind of lends itself to all these different builds and gameplay styles that you can play as a third-person shooter, you can melee, you can do all that. So it's been really fun. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really curious what they do with the next game, what the setting will be. Like, will it be... I I really hope it's uh, China. Mm. Romance mm. of the Three Kingdoms. That's what I want. <laughs> That'd be yeah. awesome. I would I that. would totally play that. That would be amazing. That, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I know. I was looking last night at like games that we had played on Xbox, and I noticed that you had like uh, six and a half days or something in Assassin's Creed. I was like, Kevin has been playing that game. <laughs> I wonder if if uh, that's because Summer plays it on. My girlfriend plays it on the Xbox, and nope, I'm signed because she has her own playtime. But but she, I would also Unless be she's signed been... in, so the I would show me as oh, active then, yeah. on the app. So that would explain yeah. it. Um, okay. That game also, uh, just funny. a quick note, if you are a PC and Xbox owner, you have to buy the game twice, which sucks, but it is cross-save, mm. and I love that feature. That's true. That so. is true. Uh, all right. I played a bunch of games this year that were not from this year, and uh, or last year that were not from last year. Okay, so I guess maybe this doesn't count. I played a lot of Ghost of Tsushima, but technically I played that this year. I didn't play it till after January 1st, but right. speaking of Assassin's Creed games, like that is that is like an Assassin's Creed game in Japan that's very, very uh, judiciously edited. Like it's a, it's like a, an Assassin's Creed game where they like very smartly pared it down to just the best parts. I think uh, that game is fucking incredible. I, I'm really liking it. Thief: The Dark Project I had dabbled with before, but I never really spent a lot of time. I played through probably about half the game this year. Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, Resident Evil 2 remake incredible my favorite most my favorite recent resident resident evil game i don't think we'll see another like it maybe but it i oh so good so good prey moon crash is 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 like gave me more prey which is one of my favorite games of all time Uh, i've been holding off on that for years it's just dlc but it's it's extremely fun it does take a minute to get into you kind of have to give yourself like an hour and and then hopefully you'll be into it after that hour but once you get going oh my god it, it, it like it just ratchets ratchets up everything that Prey did in a really tense way in terms of the mechanics and exploration. Uh, and then my true game of the year—it's not didn't come out this year—but the game that by far I had the best time playing this year was Sekiro. I definitely talked about that on the pod. Like, what a fucking game! I I still think that if if we're talking quote unquote objectively about FromSoft's best game—not our favorite game, but maybe their best game. I kind of think Sekiro's the one. Um, I don't know. I fucking love that game. I think you can make a very yeah. strong case for that. It's it's almost like a perfect yeah. game. It's like as close to perfection, I think, as you, as you can come. There's like almost nothing wrong with any part of it. And there's no DLC. Like we, it's just like a perfect experience that just begins right. and ends, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I, I think we need to normalize more games not getting DLC, and it's just its own thing. But uh, the other thing I wanted to add to that is I like how we're already getting into, uh, like, best territory. Because, like, you said that your best game this year was Sekiro. Like, <laughs> for me, Sea of Thieves is, like, my best multiplayer experience. Just, like, the amount of fun I put I had in that game was just, uh, I'm like, wow, multiplayer games can be this good? I just love this so much, so... We're already getting into it. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely, particularly beating Sekiro was like the most rewarding thing I did. Can we just here. mention one thing? Uh, which, this is a little side note, but it's related yeah. to Sekiro. Uh, Aaron, you were here for this. We had we we all got together with some friends. We do this, we do this every year. My friends, um, we had the, uh, a friend, a person who had never played a FromSoft game or very little play Sekiro, and it was very interesting to watch him play it. And to me, it showed. It actually taught me a few things about specifically Sekiro one. The tutorial that they had actually does teach you some stuff, even even though it kind of sucks. It's it's it had less of the um kind of confusion that Dark Souls and and Demon Souls, especially the first two games, had, where you're kind of like, what the fuck am I doing? Um, and that it's more straightforward in its mechanics. Um. Uh, and uh, it was just it's just it's like so fun to watch that game. It's like it just like it, it was really captivating. Yeah, our friend. Our friend Kyle was playing it for the first time. He hadn't played a, a FromSoft game before, and uh, he is very skilled at video games in general. He's a quick learner. So he was doing really well, and it was really like tense to watch him battle bosses and kind of. I think we were doing a little too much of that, like, oh my God, get ready, this is going to yeah, be no, so. We you know, like we, we weren't silently watching, we were kind of commenting a little too much, but uh, it, it was pretty fun. It was, it was really good. Okay, let's check in real quick with a listener and hear what they have to say. Hey Jump Crouch, Mike here, and I'd like to briefly talk about what I've played in 2021. Out of the two dozen games, half of them were of the PS1 horror genre. Titles like No One Lives Under the Lighthouse, The Radio Station, and The Convenience Store. I look forward to more titles like these. The retro design and the low barrier to entry build short and unique experiences. I also spent a good chunk of this year squeezing the last drops out of my PS4. I was able to wrap up The Last of Us Remastered, Uncharted 4, and Ghost of Tsushima. I still plan on playing Last of Us 2, but after that, I don't anticipate firing it up again. My ultimate highlights for 2021 were probably Cyberpunk 2077, The Ascent, and Mortal Shell. I know Cyberpunk has been very divisive, and I was disappointed in certain missing RPG mechanics as well as some open-world aspects. It did, however, deliver in building a beautiful city, and the game played varied enough that I felt I could tackle any mission the way I wanted to. Side quests remain one of my favorite aspects of the game. Violence with Lizzie Wizzy and The Hunt were some of my favorites. The Ascent was a surprise, made by a relatively small team, and it absolutely nailed the cyberpunk aesthetic. Gameplay was great, and it is a fun couch co-op experience. Last, I played Mortal Shell. I bought it because I was hankering for a dark fantasy, as I couldn't play the Demon Souls Remastered. It really nails a bleak and stark environment that reminds me of my first time playing Dark Souls. Finally, I have the two biggest disappointments of 2021. Far Cry 6 and The Sinking City. Since Far Cry 3, all of them had a very similar formula. I wasn't expecting it to be such a downgrade compared to New Dawn or Far Cry 5. I feel like every aspect of it is worse than the previous titles. I originally heavily agreed with Orin's statement that it was just barely good enough to continue. However, after taking a break and trying to get back into it, I discovered I just didn't care. I continue to hate every NPC as they all come off as shallow, over-the-top caricatures that, just, that are just loud and obnoxious. As for the stinking city, I'm a big Frogware fan. 
I have played the majority of their titles, Sherlock Holmes The Awakening is one of my favorite adventure titles. This, however, was my second biggest disappointment. The game on paper ticks off a lot of boxes. HP Lovecraft inspired, open world, RPG mechanics, and detective work. So even with its great graphics and occult undertones, where I get to fulfill my gumshoe fantasy, I was completely underwhelmed by the dead and empty open world. It was clear this was Frogware's first foray into an open world design, and in hindsight, I think they should have just scrapped it early on. Combat was also mostly terrible, with only four enemy types in the entire game. By the end of the game, I was so bored I just stopped playing. Okay, that's all I have. Thanks a lot, and looking forward to 2022. Okay, let's take a little trip down memory lane, guys, because... The first time we did a Game of the Year podcast that all three of us attended was five years ago in the the good old year of 2016. You remember 2016? Yeah. Remember when Obama was president? Wait. (laughs) Do you remember when ultra skinny jeans and uh, side, what are are those uppercuts? Was that a fucking haircut that every guy had? Undercut. Oh, yeah. Uh, Undercut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And like everybody was wearing Toms all the time. Toms, those those goofy ninja shoes. Yeah, I remember I remember uh, uh, playing Dark Souls three, uh, playing Doom twenty sixteen, and thinking, "Wow, this Doom twenty sixteen game is so good. I, I really hope they make a sequel." Yeah. <laughs> so how all wrong? Right. You I know. How I do. <laughs> no. We we all gave top five lists in twenty sixteen, and I wanted to uh, go oh. over them and, and this see is what we thought about bit them. Of jump Crouch uh, yeah. history. Yeah. So, okay, Kevin, your number five game, this is kind of a surprise, actually. It was Hitman. Huh. Uh, I think you might have been peer pressured into that one. I, I, I liked it. Number four was Salt and Sanctuary. Yeah, Salt and Sanctuary, yeah, okay. that's a good one. Number three was Battlefield 1. Oh, yeah, that's a great game. Number two was Dark Souls 3. And number one was obviously yeah. Doom. Wow, no Titanfall 2. Wow. He hadn't I hadn't played it yet. It yet. I think he has, still has played, played it. it. I played it a bit. I think it's it's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, uh, Oren, your number five game was Uncharted Four. Your number four game was Inside. Your number three game was Titanfall Two. Your number two game was Doom, and your number one game was Hitman. Though you were very ambivalent about whether Doom or Hitman was actually the better game. <laughs> you, you know, the wobbly. only the only thing I would change about that list is I would have put Uncharted Four. I think as high as number three, maybe, mm. maybe number four. I'm surprised I put. I mean, I loved Inside, but that game didn't have as much last, lasting power for me than the other four. So it's interesting I put it that high. Interesting. Uh, my list, which I also did a video on, was number five was Devil Daggers. My number four was Darkest Dungeon. My number three was Hyperlight Drifter. My number two was. Dark Souls, and my number one was a was a total fucking cheat of Hitman and Doom. I just even today I couldn't really pick between those two. It's like, which twin do you love better? Uh, Honestly, it, it, yeah. But uh, I I like that list, except I probably would have put Dark Souls three elsewhere. I don't know if there's something. Maybe maybe I would have moved Titanfall into the top five and moved Dark Souls three out. I'm not really sure. Like I like Dark Souls three, but it hasn't stuck with me. Certainly not that as much as some of those other games on that list, like Darkest Dungeon and Hyperlight Drifter. Uh, 
Kevin Kevin Johnson also gave us a list. He said number five was Stardew Valley. Number four was Battlefield One, which is kind of surprising. Number three was uh, Dark Souls Three. Number two was Hitman. I guess we really liked Battlefield One. Yeah, we played a lot. Okay, and then his number one game was was Doom, which not surprising. So all of us Doom or Hitman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Doom or Hitman. So I mean, that was that was, that was really year. what that year was about. That was a really good year. It was a good year. Oh, you know, uh, you know what game I would have swapped out. Was was Dishonored 2 2016? Yeah, I think that's right. Was it? Was it? Mm-hmm. I, w- I mm-hmm. would swap Inside Out with Dishonored mm-hmm. 2. Mm-hmm. I can see yeah. that. So. That's, a, that's a good substitution. Uh, in 2017, Oren was in Mexico playing Quake. We invited him on the podcast, but he, he was just not playing any video games. So I'll, I'll go quickly through these lists. Uh, Kevin, your list was, your number five was either PUBG or Breath of the Wild. You kind of equivocated uh your number uh, four was prey no. your number three was mario odyssey no. your number two was tekken 7 and your number one game was near automata good choice good list. yeah <laughs> i approve yeah. of this list uh, my, yeah yeah my list was edith finch dead cells divinity original sin prey and PUBG. which is this list is unsurprising me today i might I, I like Divinity Original Sin too, but I might move that further out. I love Edith Finch. Finch. Awesome. I still think about that yeah. game today. Dead Cells is I still play. Uh, Prey is still one of my favorite games, and PUBG is still. When we were playing PUBG in 2007 and 18, that was some of the best gaming moments ever. Uh, Kevin Johnson had Divinity Original Sin two, Persona five, Yakuza zero, Mario. Wait, are all of his games except for Divinity Original Sin Japanese? Good guy. Mario Odyssey and then The Last Guardian was his number one. So game. I think, and yeah, as I said, that year I unintentionally put your and Kevin's number one. I guess Kevin's wasn't Breath of the Wild actually, but I thought I did. I didn't mean to do that though. As number five, because I put PUBG and yeah, okay. But his number, his number one was the yeah. the, the dog game, Last Guardian. Yep. Nice. Uh, and yeah, Orin's game of the year 2017 was Quake. Uh, right. Nice. Was that when you were playing Quake? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was. That was the uh, okay. circa around the t- same time. But it, if I were to say, my, my game of the year from that year was probably Near Automata or The Evil Within 2. It would be one of oh, those yeah. two. That was also a really good year. That was like insane. That was like 2007 almost. That was better than 2000. In my, I mean, I think that was like the year. There was just so many, yeah. so many games. Um, we didn't make lists for 2018 or 19. Um, but we did come back in 2020, and we made a list. Uh, Oren, your list was Spelunky 2, Neo 2, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, and, of course, The Last of Us 2 was your, your game of the year. Do you stand by that list? Uh, I would uh, put Call of the Sea at number one, mm. bump everything down, and then I think <clears> I would put... Um, I think... Yeah, I think that would be it. Part of me wants to include Immortals: Phoenix Rising, but I don't hmm. think I would. I don't think it would make the cut. Interesting, uh, Kevin. Your list is Half Life: Alex, The Last of Us Two, Yakuza: Like a Dragon, mm. Streets of Rage Four, and finally the PC release of Death Stranding. Yeah, I stand by that list still. That's a good list. All right, my list. I I did a little cheesy. I said I unranked. Four runners-up in a game of the year. My four runners-up were Valorant, Cyberpunk 2077, The Last of Us Part Two, Doom Eternal, and my game of the year was Flight Sim. Uh, in retrospect, I, I, that was a year that I didn't play very many years from uh, very many games from that year, so I didn't have 
a big selection. I mostly played Counter Strike and uh, Lost uh, or Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but probably would uh, you put Odyssey on the list. Put Doom Eternal as number one. Odyssey didn't come out. Oh that yeah, year. it was 2018. 2018. Yeah, no. So I mo- I mostly played. I played a lot of Valorant. Played a lot of CS:GO, and I played a lot of Odyssey, and that was like all I played that year. Uh, Doom Eternal, I think I would switch with Flight Sim as much as I love Flight Sim. I, I think Doom Eternal was a pretty, pretty strong pick. So, yeah, that was fun. The Great Divide is with Doom Eternal, the most polarizing so wait, game on. This tell me this: podcast. if you had to pick one game yeah. from all your lists, what's the one game? Hitman. Hmm. Absolutely. You mean like Hitman. the number one of all those yeah. lists? Poof. Uh, that's tricky. Prey. Prey. That's a good. That's a good choice. I <laughs> probably would pick Death Stranding. Yeah. 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 That's that's a good choice. All right, we have another listener on the line. Let's hear what they have to say. Hello to my friends from the Jump Crouch podcast. This is Edgar Herrera from Sonora, Mexico. I've been asked to give my top five games of 2021. And I will gladly do so. So, number five, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's it's a very good idea. In an era of remasters and remakes, Final Fantasy VII, it's a remake, a retelling, and a reboot. The next-gen patch makes it feel, feel like a fresh game. And the DLC is meaty and it's good. It's great. Number four, Fortnite. I know this is gonna, I'm gonna catch some slander from the hardcore gaming community, but Fortnite is mechanically good, has frequent updates, live events, and concerts. It is a very good game, very engaging, and it's very rewarding despite being free to play. Number three, Returnal. Returnal has excellent gameplay, a very good story. It's a it's a very good use of next-gen features and it could use some accessibility options but in spite of that it's just so mechanically good and smooth that it makes it to this list number two hitman trilogy hitman 3 is a culmination of the new hitman games again a reboot they're just a perfect mixture of stealth and puzzles that makes for a game that's very, very replayable. And the fact that it includes one and two in the trilogy pack with next-gen enhancement makes it a very, very enticing package. Number one, Hades. Technically, for me, a PlayStation user, it's a 2021 game. It's the perfect combination of a dungeon crawler with roguelike mechanics, with deep storytelling that that tells more and more every time you play it. It has a lot of weapons, a lot of playstyles, deep RPG mechanics, and it's rewarding in the short term and the long term. For me, it was a perfect game for the long pandemic, just starting a run over and over, over again, again and again and again and again. And every time it was a little bit different. For me, it was a great analogy for life and work and just the grind of daily life. It was. It's perfect. It's great. Go play Hades. Thanks, guys, for having me over. I wish everyone in the community a happy new year. All right. So let's talk about 
true DLC or remasters or extended edition or remakes of the year. That's the category. And it's a lot this the nominees year. as insane I have it. Yeah, some good stuff. Yeah. Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which was added to Game Pass. I, I just downloaded it last night and started playing it. It's awesome. Uh, Metro Exodus Extended Edition. What is it? I don't know. EE. I forget what the... I think it's Extended Edition. Something. Something Edition. Near Replicant. Uh, Outer Wilds. Echoes of the Eye. The Quake Remaster. Resident Evil 4 VR. World of Warcraft Classic. The Burning Crusade which is probably the game I played by far the most this year. (laughs) Control Ultimate Edition and also the Alan Wake Remastered. These are two different games, Oren. You can't put these in the same game. Um, These are are different games. I think they should be put together because they complement each other a lot narratively. Uh, Ghosts of Tsushima Director's Cut, Death Stranding Director's Cut, and the Castlevania Advanced Collection. Anything we want to add before we, we get deliberating? Oh, wow. So so unlike the last one, we're actually going to debate what our favorite one is? So, yes. What we're going to do is we're going to start by saying which games that we personally Guys, we're missing the GTA on this list that- remasters here. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. Kevin's I mean, if you want to put it on there, if you want to argue no, for No, I'm not going to put it on here. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, like, like... Let's eliminate. Let's let's go through games that we personally put and we want to eliminate and quickly give them a quick shout out, and so that we can move towards the games that are that are going to be in the running. Uh, okay. Anything that we see that could be eliminated? Yes. Um, World, Al- World of Warcraft classic. Go. <laughs> Alan no, Wake, get the hell out of here one. with your flashlight shit. <laughs> Alan Wake, uh, you did not put World of Warcraft on there, so uh, you don't get to. Okay, not like this my, own, this is, my own. Anything on there you put that you think maybe you just put on there because you wanted to give it a shout out, but maybe it, it doesn't hang. Okay, okay. I, can, I can do yeah, that. No, I, you go on. I, I got, I got, I got one. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say I played Alan Wake this year and I loved it. Um, nice. This was. Um, I, I think it actually stands with uh, Bioshock and The Last of Us in terms of the best storytelling of that generation. It is um, very good. It, <laughs> it's really good. Um, I'm willing to eliminate it from the list and just leave Control for now because we. Mm-hmm. I know we can all agree on Control. Well, what did you like better? Put what you want. All right, strike it out. Don't delete it. Strike it out. Oh, oh, strike it out. Yeah, yeah I want to. I want to keep the bones. Um, um, okay. Uh, okay. So. Uh, uh, just so the listeners know, we have these all on a Google Doc, so we're striking yeah. them out. But um, yeah, I like Alan Wake more narratively, but gameplay wise, I like Control more. I think that's yeah. fair. Um, and the other one that I want to strike, but I want to give it its due before I strike it, Outer Wilds: Echoes of the Eye, is a mm-hmm. great game. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as the original Outer Wilds, but it still, for the most part, achieves what the first one set out to do, which is uh, using knowledge to pro- progress, using knowledge of the world to figure out the mysteries. Like, It's not about RPG stats. It's not about upgrading your character. It's just knowledge-based. And I thought they achieved yeah. it, but I also don't think I would put it as the best one, so I'm going to strike through that one. Okay. It had just enough stuff in it. <clears throat> like The horror elements just didn't work quite as much as I had hoped for it to not quite be my favorite of this list. Yeah. Uh, 
did you want to strike something, Kevin, or should I? I, I got a couple things uh, to strike. I only have one that I want to strike out, but um, that's fine. Castlevania Advance. I really like this collection, by the way. Um, particularly yeah. in if only for Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. That's like one of the best Metroidvanias ever made. Um, having it on modern platforms is really a cool thing. Um, I really, really enjoyed playing it. When I got this on Xbox, all I played. I played nothing else until mm. I beat the game. So hmm. it's uh, very fun. If you like Metroidvanias, like, absolutely pick this collection up. You played Castlevania with an Xbox controller. That's Well, with a new Xbox controller. I played Symphony of the Night with a 360 controller, and... I don't know if you remember, but in that game, to do the high boost jump, you have to press down, up, and A. And trying to do that on a goddamn 360 D-pad or a stick uh, is, like, almost impossible. So at least on a Series S controller, very manageable. All right. Very manageable. All right. Castlevania Collection, that's pretty cool. I uh, I, don't, I did not check that out, but I I would like to. Uh, where the hell is the strikeout? <laughs> I really hope uh, that they do the DS games next. That's my, my, my next hope is that they'll do DS. It's under format and text. Okay. Uh... Because yeah, the DS Castlevanias were some of the best in the whole series. So let's see. Okay. We could strike out both the Death Stranding and Ghosts of Tsushima director's cut. I do want to really quickly talk about them because um, uh, the director's cut for Death Stranding added some new content and uh, up the resolution, up the frame rate, blah, 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 blah. Get added haptic feedbacks with the controller, really fast load times. Um, but the Ghost of Tsushima's director's cut, which you have to pay 10 bucks for, and I'm still not sure what I think about the, the pay. I didn't have to pay for it because I bought the game. I didn't own the game. But if you had owned Ghost of Tsushima... So if you owned Ghost of Tsushima before and you had a PS5, you got a 60 FPS patch, and you got the PS4 Pro version of the game, which was 1800p, and that's nice and stuff. But the director's cut is like tailored for the PS5 and has like the most insane load times I've ever seen. Literally, from the PlayStation menu, I click X... Two seconds, I'm into the game menu. Click X again. One to two seconds, I'm running my around in the game like so That's fast. That's awesome. That's so. Cool. That's worth ten bucks. Yeah. I'll pay ten bucks for that That's shit. So like cool. that. I, I look. It's insane. Um, and it runs at a true 4K and like it, it adds a lot of really nice stuff. The the haptics are good. The one thing that makes me crazy is that it does not have um, an FOV slider, and that game needs an FOV slider. I've gotten used to it. Uh, oh, also, here's something you might like, Oren, because you played that game. It, it it allows you to remap the controls to a Dark Souls scheme instead of using the face buttons, which I think is, I don't know why they even tried to do it that way. Nice. Without on the face buttons, and it, it allows you to lock on, which I actually think you shouldn't be doing in that game because when you lock on it, it doesn't work well when you lock on. It's you think you want to lock on, but you're wrong. It's a real it's a rage, real Jay Allen Brack moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's particularly weird to me because the game doesn't have lock on. So if you think of a Souls game or a game like it, when you lock on, you no longer need to use the right stick to aim. So the face buttons would Correct. actually make sense. But if you're not locking on and you have to aim with the right stick, why would you have the face button? They have to do this weird crab kind of thing to, to attack. It was bad. It was bad. Very strange so controls. once they added, once the once you can play it with the Dark Souls, you know, using the shoulder buttons, it's much better. The camera does a pretty good job of doing these kind of soft locks with the camera. Like it doesn't lock you on, but the camera starts orienting in the direction of the person that it thinks you're attacking and is mostly right. Mm. Like it does a pretty good job of that somehow. And actually the field of view, when you don't lock on, gets much bigger and your character actually gets some space to move around and invites not when you're exploring the world so it's it's weird you don't want to use it but i'm glad that they added it so we can strike those but they're, they're kind of cool uh all right 
I think we should. I know you added this, Aaron, but I think we should strike Metro, Metro Exodus. Metro Exodus? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, like. A Metro Exodus? Yeah. I'm not ready Boom. for that. Let me tell you why. Get it out of here. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Before, just before, because Metro Exodus is the only console game that uses, uh, or really PC game for the most part, that uses full ray traced global illumination. And that the way that that game looks, the experience you have of the lighting in that game is just one of a kind, except for that Matrix demo. Um, if you guys feel very strongly about it, we could think about it. But let's 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 put an asterisk next to that because I'm not good I'm games not quite over. Right. Eye candy. I do think get that crap out of here. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I mean, here's here's why. Let me let me make the case because ahead. they took a game <laughs> no that was already released and they re-released it and completely redid the lighting for modern hardware in a way that's transformative, that's technologically advanced and like like innovative and, and kind of showed the industry what can be done. Like I think it actually is a really good example of a remaster that like takes what the game did before, doesn't lose anything, and just adds to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> but you have to cut WoW Classic, please. <laughs> Uh, no, that's 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 the Burning Crusade classic. Uh, I'm we're not cutting that just yet. Kevin, what do you think? Um, so I, what to cut next? I just like I, nothing else. I, I, so I didn't. Play. What do you think about the Burning Crusade classic? Oh, um, I would cut that over before anything else. Hmm. But I would not cut. Um, so here's the thing for me: Near Replicant is probably amazing. I didn't play it a lot because the PC version was kind of screwy. Um, so, but I'm sure that game is amazing. I'm sure that I would love it too. So, I just haven't played it. Since my, I, I don't have a dog in that one. Uh, Metro, I didn't play really that much either. But TBC, I, I would cut TBC before anything else on this list for myself. Wait, I have, I have, a, I have a proposed cut before we do that. Okay. The Control Ultimate Edition is cool. Oh, yeah. However, it is literally just a port of the PC version at low settings, which just doesn't mean it looks bad, but like it's just a port of the PC version. They made you rebuy it if you already own the game. I think so that's a good I'm worried practices. because that's here's actually, the thing. That's actually a good here's the thing about that. That's 505 games. They're going to probably do that with Death Stranding Director's Cut on PC. I'm predicting that they're going to do that now, and that there's going to be hopefully an outcry, and they will have to rescind that shit. Because Death Stranding Collectors is only or Tractors is only ten dollars on PS5 to upgrade. That's how it should be. Yeah. I feel yeah. strongly about well, this. Well, <laughs> well, how about this? Let's let's cut Control Ultimate Edition because I think that's a really good point that. It's it, like there was a lot of controversy over how it was priced, um, but before before we move on from it, I'm just going to give it its due. Um, I um, played Alan Wake this year for the first time from beginning to end. I never did that, and I played through Control and the two Control expansion packs um, this year, uh, and it was it was just. It really, what Remedy is doing is really special. They're basically doing the David Lynch extended universe in video game form. And the way Control ties into Alan Wake and vice versa is so fascinating. And I'm, it's, I'm just really excited to see what they do with Alan Wake 2 to see how um, this universe keeps unfolding because it's really impressive what they're doing. But anyway, let's so tell me this, Oren. I just wanted to ask because I, when I played Alan Wake, I really did like the writing. I actually like the storytelling more than the story itself. The story seemed fine, but the storytelling I felt like was very well done when I played it. I remember thinking like, wow, this is really impressive. Does the gameplay in the remaster, did it, how how was it? Was it is, Maybe I'm just remembering it being bad, but I remember like feeling like it was a slog to get through it to, just to see the story stuff, which is what I wanted to see. Wait, 
Let me show you what it's like, Kevin. No, this I know is, what it's like. You try to flash at the enemies for a long time. It's, it's not going to work. And on then you can the shoot podcast. them. It was, I hated it. But I'm just wondering, like, how was it for you playing for the first time recently? Compared so, to coming from Control, especially, which is really fun. So, so I tried to play it initially on Game Pass, the Xbox 360 version. And it was very clunky. And I just couldn't do it. But then I played the remastered version. And they up they made it smoother. It ran at sixty FPS, but they also updated the lighting effects. Mm. And I think it it was kind of night and day. I, w- I wouldn't say that the that the gameplay is better than Control. It's not, but I think uh, like when that game is firing on all cylinders, it feels like you're engineering like a fireworks show. Like you're shooting flares at people. You're fl- throwing flashbangs. Like it can f- feel really cool. Um, but it's definitely not, like, in terms of gameplay, it's not up to where Control is. But I did like the storytelling a lot. Like, I yeah. thought, um, like, what, it has probably the most inspired collectible that I've ever encountered in the game. And basically, like, the whole premise of the game is that you're writing a story that is occurring, like, as you're playing it. So you'll find, like, pages of the manuscript that will tell future events or give you more details of a side character in the game. And it's just, I just thought that was really inspired storytelling. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. I love Alan Wake. I love Control for different reasons, but how they connect is fascinating to me. For sure. All right, strike that piece of shit. <laughs> and then let's kill it. <laughs> kill that darling. Uh, I mean, I I guess, I, I think Control's awesome, but it, it really is just a port of the PC version. That, like, like it's not even, it's not even a remaster, you know. I did love the but, Alan Wake expansion, though. I thought it was great. That's cool. But, I gotta play that yeah, still. Strike it. I haven't played that yet. I really want to play it though. It's awesome. Um, okay, let's let's get let's get a little more. What what if you guys could only vote for two that are currently on the list? What would your two votes be? I need to have three. Or, I can't go lower than that. No, no, just, 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 this isn't like a final vote. This is just to gauge where you're at. Okay. Um, Near Replicant, absolutely, is my number one. I think that game arguably has a better story than Near Automata. Um, okay. If Near Replicant was on my top 10 list, it would score like fairly highly. Um, nice. Anyway, um, Resident Evil 4 VR would be my second choice. Okay. Yeah, this is awesome. Kevin? Um, I, I really can't pick between the Mass Effect Legendary Quake Remaster and RE4 VR. Those three are mm-hmm. like probably at the same level for me, and they're all amazing. Um, they probably would be near the top of my top ten, all three of them, if I could put them on there. Hmm. So I can't take one off. I'm sorry. They're all even to my, okay. in my mind. And I would say Quake and, honestly, Metro, I would probably want to... One five four, just because I really do think because it's such a technologically innovative release, like it, it's a remaster that's doing something that like no other game's doing. That's that's why I feel so passionate. All right, so then let's say bye bye to WoW Classic. We played a lot of WoW Classic. It's I, good. I, I, I hear you guys. It's My, it's it's great. They did kind of they fuck fucked it up. It up. I know. It was so, <laughs> so like if it was regular WoW Classic, I would be like, no, don't cut that off. That was yeah, the shit. But this yeah. is just they they botched it. It's a bungled job, man. I mean, it's not bungled, but yeah, it is in It's yeah, kind of bungled. <laughs> There's some All bungle. Right. So while while classic is is gone, um, and uh, what else do we have? I think this is gonna have to the, be the what, list because I have one, two, three, four. It's five games. 
Well, uh, this is five what, games. Well, well, we have to bring it. Isn't it one with two runners up? Is that what we're doing? Or we could do a five. I, if if like I'm okay with doing a we five. Won't so all what agree. would be? How about this? All what's mm-hmm. the, what's one that we all would vote for? What, what, all three of us uh, played Resident one. Evil Four VR. I think we would all vote for. Absolutely. Aaron hasn't played it. Oh, it's like played it's played like it. I would vote for Near Rep- Replicant. I for a, I know for a fact, but I haven't played enough of it to, to 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 give an opinion. But I know that I would totally put that on my top list too. Like I'll, no I'll go with Resident Evil or Quake Remaster if if, if you guys feel. I, I I don't know enough about Near Replicant, um, but I, I don't mind that being the runner up if if you feel really strongly. I mean, I, I like I, I would say Quake Remaster or Resident Evil VR will get a vote for me. I definitely I vote will for those say, two as well. I I will say I I watched my brother play through the citadel dlc for the first time because i never played so it good, right? when it came out that was so such a blast man i was like la- i was i couldn't like i could not stop laughing Dude, it replaying so through mass effect all of them was just so much fun like i was so happy mm. that and, and they did a really good job with these they made they're very playable like i'm like it made me buy the books and start reading them like i it, it was it was really i they, they they released it like the perfect time they did a good job i yeah. feel like it's like ea's like hey we're gonna make single player games again finally so it's kind of a goodwill too, and also I think it kind of reinvigorated the series, which I really like the franchise, I like the world, I like the setting, I like everything about it. So I'm excited to see where they go with it. So wait, do you are you voting for Mass Effect, Quake, or Resident Evil? Uh, I'm voting for Re- Mass Effect, Quake, and Resident Evil. No, <laughs> which one? Uh, all three of them. <laughs> I can't pick well, one, I- man. I mean, I, I'm here's for Resident Evil. I'm so Resident Evil 4 Resident VR 4. is like a whole other way to play the game. Yeah. It's it's like incredible. It's like a, it's it's like killer app for VR. The Quake Remaster is like could not have been done better. I feel like Night Dive, at least in my opinion, completely killed it. They they redid all the, the meshes and they still in the old Quake style. They also rigged them all so they're not using vertex animation. They're not using skeletal animation, which is super cool. They, they got. Are you talking about Mass Effect? I'm talking about Quake Remaster. Uh, they also oh, right, right, yeah. the uh, the the machine games levels are fucking top tier. It's like the best Quake yeah, ever. Really I mean, good. it's so those cool. Really also, on on note, I noticed that in Quake the machine game levels, there's some Quake Two textures in there. I think that is definitely a reference to the fact that they're working on Quake Two. Oh, prediction? No predictions uh, allowed, but I'm making one, anyways. Okay, so so uh, I will allow Quake, Resident Evil, or or, Res- or Mass Effect. Right. What about, what about so, Orin though? Because he had near. Yeah, what do you got, Orin? Well, I just wanted to say. Near Replicant, I'm okay with the runner-up. I'm the only one who played it. It's my personal choice. Um, I think Resident Evil 4 VR should take it because mm. it feels like a new game. It does when mm. you play it. Like it. Like I, mm. I, I played through. I played up to like the fish boss. So I didn't play the whole thing, but I was like, wow, this is like a new experience. Like yeah. to the way you play it, the way it feels, the perspective. So I think that on that alone, it should take our extended edition dlc remaster of the year yeah i'm i'm on board with that it's so good i've, I've been playing it's it like so slowly kind of like slowly chunking through i don't want to like beat it all at once i don't want to like rush it and i always every time i go back to it i'm always like oh this is incredible so there's a part in that game where you fight these invisible um insect enemies and they crawl on the walls and normally when you play it right. in third person it's not that memorable like you just like another part but in first person like they're terrifying like it's they're way scarier in the vr world so so you think Resident Evil 4 over Quake? I don't know, man. The Quake Remaster is so good to you. I just think that 4 VR is a more <clears throat> innovative experience, and it's really cool because unlike everything else on this list, it's totally different, but it's still the same. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. I, I, what if? What do you guys think of this? The, the, the jump crouch 
DLC remaster or extended edition or remake of the year in ranked order is Resident Evil 4, Quake Remaster, Near Replicant, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and Metro Exodus as the fifth runner-up. Uh, or fourth I think, runner up. I think that sounds good to me, yeah, I can, in my opinion. I can work with it. Yeah? yeah? Or do we need to put Nier at number two? I don't know. No, Quake, no I, I think, I think Nier is a good three, because I'm the only one who okay. played it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that seems right. Okay. Weird. I thought Quake was, was a, a shoehorn, but... I, don't, I mean, but, uh, it, this, it, is, this is good. It's, it's I like amazing. this remaster. That is so good. Okay. Remaster is like top yeah. top tier, man. Number t- I don't know. I would put yeah. it number I one. A- I don't know. I can't pick one. Don't make me pick one. No, you, you picked. You uh, said VR. You said I can't well, pick I'm gonna. I, I'm balancing it out because I'm saying RE4 VR is number one. I mean, like Quake yeah. Remaster is cool, but RE4 VR is like arguably arguably the best VR experience right now. Like, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. All right. I gotta, I gotta try it. I, I'm sad I didn't try it when I was up there. Maybe next time. Um, that's all right. I, it's locked. I like it. Good list, guys. Good work. All right, now we're up to the game of the year segment. Oh shit! Holy and gosh. what we're gonna do is we're gonna give our personal lists, which we have top tens, and then we're gonna take that list as a big pool of nominees and we're going to work down and come up with a top five jump crouch game of the year really we should have just gone by keywords that i put into the podcasts which which uh, which camp's got the most mentions um i kid but uh who wants to go first well i'm about to paste my list into the google doc so oh well yeah go for it go for it but paste it after you say it so, oh, so there's no. some suspense I'm deleting I like it. hearing Kevin gasp. Uh, I haven't it, seen it. it I'm looking well. at my own list right now. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. I did not paste it. Okay. I'm going to say it right now and then I'll paste it. Yeah. I didn't see it either. So, yeah. All right. My top 10 games of the year. Uh, number 10. Shocking you all, potentially. Forza Horizon 5. A game that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a racing guy, so I don't think it really had a chance to be higher. Um, maybe like a little bit higher but um i love just cruising around mexico fun game pretty game uh number nine is it takes two um a game that i did not finish but Mm. i loved what i played of it i played about six to seven hours with a friend and we kind of burnt out on it because the game is honestly too long it's like way Mm. too long but um what I played was very interesting in terms of uh, like how how well the uh, gameplay mechanics and how varied they were across the whole game. Number eight, the waifu Silent Hill ripoff, Tormented Souls. Good choice. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's buggy as hell, so that kept it from getting higher. But it also has probably arguably the best puzzle solving of any Silent Hill or Resident Evil game. So good. Has some amazing puzzles. Um, So number eight, number seven, Curse of the Dead Gods, which is a really uh, good Hades clone. Um, In some ways it's better. Um, Number six, Halo Infinite. Um, I was thinking about putting Halo Infinite higher because I put so many hours into it, but uh, some of the problems I had with the campaign, especially with the weak third act and just like generally speaking, the bad story kept it from being any higher, but that multiplayer is fucking fun. And same with that campaign. Uh, number five is death's door. Um, 
probably like one of the best traditional Le uh, Legend of Zelda clones that you can play. Like that's reminiscent of the classic Zeldas. Uh, really fun game. Really great exploration. Uh, number four is The Forgotten City, which is, uh, in my opinion, the best narrative experience this year, the best story this year, and um, left me with a lot to think about. Uh, sometimes I think about putting it higher, actually, because the story was just so interesting. And I beat it in one sitting because, uh, like, once I started playing it, I like seven hours passed and I was like, I just got to know where this story is going. Um, so Forgotten City, number four. Uh, number three, I was feeling weird about putting this game so high because we had a lot of debate of, uh, of it on the channel, but I ultimately just really enjoy this game. Uh, Resident Evil Village, which I just think is um, an amazing horror-themed park ride from beginning to end. It's maybe not the best modern Resident Evil game, um, but I think um, it's the one that I think I'm going to replay a lot in the future, and it also has one of my favorite video game levels in recent uh, memory with the uh, Beneviento uh, mansion. I'm surprised it wasn't higher for uh, you, Ori Village. Uh, well, well, we got two more. Yeah. Two more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two is Returnal, which is, in my opinion, the best Sony exclusive to come out since Bloodborne. Um, I thought about this a nice. lot because because saying that The Last of Us Part Two is like to me that was the best one, but like the more that I think about Returnal, um, I just think the storytelling is so interesting. The gameplay loop is so satisfying. Um, so I had to put Returnal as number two. And then number one, it kind of had to be Hitman 3. Like, I mean, I put so many, so many hours into Hitman 3. I think it's one of the best. I think it is a uh, peak video game for video gaming for what I look for in video games. Like the amount of player choice that you have in that game and uh, just the semi elements, how you choose to play it. Like, I just can't get enough. Love Hitman 3. And the one thing that I'll say about Hitman 3, unlike Hitman 2, Hitman 2, like after I played Hitman 2, I just went back and played the Hitman levels, the 2016 levels. Uh, with Hitman 3, I never feel the need to go back to play Paris or Sapienza because I love the Hitman 3 levels so much. I love the atmosphere they add to the game. Uh, I love the vibes. I love Berlin. I love Chongqing. Um, so yeah, Hitman 3, my game of the year. Very nice. All right, that's that's. Uh, it's funny that you actually have multiple picks in the same position as mine, <laughs> Interesting. But, but not nice. then others that are very different. Um, uh, you want to go, Kevin? Uh, sure. Um, so okay. my number ten game is a highly controversial and currently highly hated game, but I had a lot of fun playing a certain game mode in it, Battlefield twenty forty two. I really liked playing okay. Battlefield Portal. The main game was yeah. of questionable quality, but I think could be there maybe in a couple months but uh i playing sure. um bad, bad company 2 in a remastered new engine but still bad company 2 so again cool. was just incredible. so fucking cool this almost should have been in the, in the goddamn dlc remaster section because <laughs> they remastered mm. battlefield 3 and you know small chunks of it but well, um two levels yeah, yeah. uh so i i really like the game i i don't think it's, it deserves all the hate that it gets that apparently they're trying like the reddit down it's so toxic right now so wow um uh, my number nine is Outriders. I actually really like this game. Again, a game that got some negative and positive mixed. Um, I was gonna, I, I was gonna put that game on my list. It barely missed the cut. Yeah, barely. I, I really think the gameplay is very, very good. Uh, I really think people can fly know how to make a very impactful, fun, heavy feeling shooter game. Um, and I like how it's, it's you know, obviously it's in the Gears of War genre, but it does not. 
it's much more push forward style because you have these superpowers that you can you can smash dudes with and it's just nice to play a game they came out this year where you can jib dudes again. You know, I just it's just fun. I like doing that. It's that it's very satisfying. After after playing Halo Infinite, which feels like goddamn Disney with guns, it's like no blood or anything in the whole goddamn <laughs> game. This game was like violent and over the top, and you know it had that nice tone. So I was very happy with that. Um, I like this game. My number seven game is Tormented Souls. Uh, this was uh, what a fine this game was. Uh, it has gorgeous um, environments, really good fucking for for a indie developer. These environments look very good, very very good. I know that the uh, I know that the clutter makes Aaron feel anxious in the environment, but I felt like it kind of adds to the to the atmosphere. It feels like the people who live in this place were fucking whack jobs. So I, I liked it. I've, <laughs> I thought it worked. I haven't beaten the game because it has crashed for me a couple times on my Series S, unfortunately. Um, but I am going to go back to it. The puzzles are, as Oren said, amazing. It's weird because outside of Resident Evil style games, I don't like puzzles in games. But for some reason, the Resident Evil puzzles I just think are amazing. So. Yeah. Um, my next game is the Dark Picture Anthology's House of Ashes. This is the third game in this series. Um, takes place in, uh, I think, a war-torn Iraq during 2007, but quickly, quickly loses that setting and goes for a much more wacky, fun horror setting. Um, and I think it's the places it goes are very surprising. I was not expecting where it ended up going, um, and it has probably my favorite character in any of the games. One of the characters is like a uh, Iraqi insurgent, and he is the best character in the whole game, like by far. Like the American Jarhead characters are okay, but like this guy, I was rooting for him the whole game. He was my favorite character. And the way that you can either have him hmm. join them or not is just really cool. I thought that was a really awesome feature. So that's a really cool game. If you want to play a horror game with some friends, have people watch you, like they won't be bored watching this game. And it's really cool because it's like it's kind of more tense than a horror movie because people can die. Like you're going to watch them about to escape and like they can die. Like, like it's like their outcome isn't predetermined like a movie. So it's really cool in that regard. I, I really like that. I, huh. I hope they keep making these games. I'm on board. Uh, number five is Metroid dread. As we all know, I love Metroidvanias. Uh, I think Metroid dread is definitely the best, you know, one of the best 2d Metroids I've played in a long time. Um, it's really cool to see uh, a European developer, uh, make a game that feels distinctly Japanese because I think they really understand every piece and characteristic of what makes um, a Japanese Metroid game. And I think that's hard to do. Um, I think they really did a great job. So my hands off to Mercury's team for doing that. And also the game feels familiar and new. So props to them on that. Um, and my next game is Forza Horizon 5, which is awesome, of course, number four. Um, played a lot of this game this year. It's one of those, probably one of my favorite, like, probably of all the games this year, maybe my favorite, like, just play with the friends. Well, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe WoW. <laughs> WoW didn't actually make my list, unfortunately. Probably should have, I don't know. It's, mm. it, it was a remaster. It just doesn't fit, right? But, it was on the remaster list, yeah. yeah. But uh, this game is just a fun game to play with your friends. Unfortunately, there's all these networking issues, and they still seem to be present even now. So I haven't actually been able to drive right. in the world with my friends too much yet in that game. But doing the races and stuff, picking your class, upgrading your cars, it's all super fun. The Mexico setting is amazing. They did a great job on the world design of this game. Uh, I've been really enjoying playing it. So, yeah. Number three, Resident Evil Village. Um, <laughs> I think it was the same place as Oren's, actually. Uh, yep. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this game thoroughly. I think the setting was awesome. Um, I liked the their over-the-top kind of villain characters. I felt like they all had fun personalities. It felt like a nice homage to uh, RE4 and other classic Resident Evil experiences. I liked how each monster was kind of based on a 
classic turn of the century horror novel. That that was a really cool kind of thing that they did. So I, I like that as well. The puzzles are great. In particular, the bell puzzle is my favorite one. I, I always think of that when I think of great puzzles in games, like find those bells in that little room to shoot. I just think that was so cool. Uh, I just want to add, I also really loved finding all of the treasures. I thought the mm-hmm. pu- exploration puzzles with those were particularly great. Yes. And I also have to give this game credit for leaning so beautifully into the Resident Evil cheese. They did it so goddamn well. Everything with Chris is perfect. I wish that they had cast the actor from him for Resident Evil 5. They did not. But I'm not sure why. But it's okay. He still looks like Chris, at least. They're calling him a boulder-punching asshole, though. I mean, that's just like a callback to RE5. Who would have thought? Everyone, <laughs> apparently, everyone hates Resident Evil 5. So I was like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is good. So uh, I was a fan of this game. Um, I, I hope the next game is different though i hope they change the, the formula up a little bit to something something new and fresh um, but i think they got two first person resident Evil games which are both you know solid and good uh my next game is subnautica below zero that's my number two. Oh shit i think that game is very good um as the first game was pretty much masterpiece level open world game uh the exploration is top tier it has nice scary elements i really like the uh the monsters in that game I haven't actually beaten the game, but I've played it a lot. I put in probably 40 or more hours into it. I just spent time building the base and surviving and just doing that. And I just had to build a base in a very remote location to make it more challenging. So um, it's been really fun in that regard. And I, I just, I, I really like that game. I think it's really, really, really good single player experience. It's on Game Pass, so play it. <laughs> uh, number one is The Ascent. Uh, I love that game. Completely caught me off guard of how good it is. Um, Uh, The main reason I have to give it credit is because it has completely changed how I think about this genre. I never liked top-down shooters before. It's not that I thought they were bad. I just was never a genre I would look into. But now I will always consider looking and trying a top-down game. I even want to try and make a top-down game. I feel like this game, they made a a game that was like a first-person or third-person shooter and then just moved the camera up. And it's probably what they did. They probably literally just did that. And it was awesome. Like The the, the gameplay is like so good for a top-down game. They balanced it very well something that I really have to give them credit to is I think if you're designing an action game that has RPG elements, you have to be very careful about how you handle weapon progression. I think the traditional style of you have a weapon that does 10 DPS, a weapon that does 50 DPS, and then you go up to a weapon that does 100 DPS is problematic for an action game because you end up having the sponge enemy issue. This game went for all weapons are viable. They can all be upgraded. So they all do a similar damage range, but have unique characteristics. I think that is how you do an action RPG game. That's my opinion. That's what I think. So I think that they nailed it on everything. And I also have to say the setting, graphics, are triple A level by like eight people. So props to you guys. The Ascent, underrated and awesome. Game of the year. Cool. Nice. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, copy that in there. All right. Um, all right. My list, number 10 is Cruelty Squad, which is the ugliest fucking game in the world. It's a very like intentionally 90s aesthetic immersive sim that plays a lot like deus ex the 2000 version of the game uh i didn't beat the game but i probably played about three quarters of the way through it i had a way more fun than i would have ever guessed when i first watched the trailer but i was like i'm not going to be able to even play this game but i gave it a try and i i really enjoyed it so uh cruelty squad's pretty cool my number nine is Unpacking, a game that I played with Kevin, which I, I don't think you like very much. But uh, <laughs> no. Unpacking 
is like it's like a very soothing ASMR game where you just you you go through this character's life and you unpack every room that they live in uh, for for a you know fixed period of their life and the thing like it has really incredible sound design so like when if you pull out like like um you know like a basketball or something it sounds like a basketball or if you pull out like a teddy bear it sounds like a teddy bear and you put it down on different surfaces but the thing that I loved so much about this game it is incredible music and pixel art but it tells a really good story purely with its mechanics and environmental storytelling. Like you totally understand who this character is just by unpacking their shit. And you, you learn about kind of like the hurdles of their life and where they're going. Like a good example of this is like one of the earlier levels. You're, you're clearly moved into a place where you're sharing a house with housemates and like the shelves are already basically full. So you have to kind of squeeze your shit in between their shit. And like anybody that's ever lived with housemates knows what it's like to have to like you know go into the kitchen and be like oh well now we have two rice cookers where do i put my you know like that kind of shit so really just i really enjoyed that game number eight is death loop which uh you know it's a game that 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 like like zach didn't like it Oren had mixed feelings like people definitely like mixed feelings about death loop i think skill up the youtube channel has a really good video detailing a lot of what's wrong with this game but i think that there's still a lot of things the game gets right like it's the first immersive sim other than prey moon crash where i don't you cannot save scum like every immersive sim ever in the history of immersive sims is literally like snail's paste save scumming your way through a level uh you can't do that in this game and like the combat felt really good it by far had the best feeling like gunplay of any arcane game uh i it kept me playing to the end like i had no trouble playing it from beginning to end unlike other games this year so I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I think that it did some things right. I do think that Prey Moon Crash did a lot of the same, had the same sort of like design philosophy, but it accomplished accomplished its goals a little better. Number seven is Valheim, which I didn't play. I started playing a bit of it early in the year when it first came out, and it didn't run well, and it, and it was an early access, so I was like, I'm going to give it some time. And I played more of it recently, and... Um, I don't know. Every time you play that game, it, it's one of those games where the loop is like you kind of have like a home base and you kind of make little excursions out into a dangerous environment, try to get stuff and then come back to your home base. Um, and and it's it does that really well. And that's kind of like a feature of many of my favorite games. And every time I go out on a little journey, there's like a story like there's a story happens. Something crazy happens. Like I go out and I get on my little ship and I sail to an island and as I'm sailing back, like a sea monster attacks me and I just barely make it out alive. Um, it's it's just a great like player story creator, and you can play it co-op or single player. And I think it's it's very fun either way. Uh, number six is Halo Infinite, and I will say I think that this has the best gameplay in the Halo series personally, and I think the multiplayer is really good. But until they kind of iron out the campaign or add co-op, it's it's stuck outside of my top five. If this had co-op, I think it would have easily been in the top five. Like no, like it would have been like very very highly ranked. But that you feel that absence, and some of the pacing issues are a little, little wonky. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Number five is Death Store. Like, such a polished game for a two-person studio. It's it's it it almost hurts me to say that I think that it's a better game than Hyper Light Drifter in a very similar genre, like a Zelda game with some some influence from lots of other things, including Dark Souls and stuff. It, it's just it's just a really good game. Like my my girlfriend Mary was sat down and played it. She doesn't normally play video games, but she sat down and played it almost all the way to the end and really loved it. it it's just 
it's a it's a fucking good game. Like number four, The Ascent. Uh, Kevin's number one game. I, I really like this game. I do think it has some flaws. It had a lot of bugs and it had some issues. And it it's its design is a little muddled, but like it doesn't matter because the game is so beautiful and so fun to play. And I had such a good time playing it that I beat it by myself and then played through almost the entire game in co-op. It's I have almost every achievement in the game, which is something I never ever do. Like it's it, not even by trying to like hunt achievements. I just played the game so much that I kept getting the, all these super hard achievements. Like I just really that game caught me off guard, and I had such a great time with it. Number three is Hitman Three. Yeah. Uh, love the Hitman. Unlike Oren, I don't know if I've fallen in love with the levels of Hitman Three quite as much as previous Hitman games. I think they're great. I'm not saying they're bad, but like they haven't quite enchanted me as much. Um, but I still think like the package of Hitman 3, especially if you have the other three games attached to it, is like the best stealth collection you could ever have in one thing. It looks great, runs great on Xbox. Um, it's really good. I just, uh, I'm a little annoyed with how... Uh, uh, tricky it can be to get the extra DLC maps in there like it's a little confusing and the, I don't know they could have handled things a little better in some of that stuff but it's an awesome game Hitman 3 is great number two and number one are very like wobbly they could kind of go either way right but number two right now is Returnal Returnal is incredible like Returnal is giving me a lot of the same feelings that like Dark Souls gave me uh, especially the earlier games of like this like I'm moving through this extremely hostile area and I have to be super cautious and I have to be constantly on my guard and like analyzing everything and thinking about it. And every little bit of progress feels earned and won and hard fought in a way that's just incredibly rewarding. Uh, it's just a collection of like every trope I could ever imagine into a cocktail. That's just like Aaron fucking cocktail mate. Like, like everything about this game is shit that I love. All of its influences are like my favorite shit. Um, I think that it's roguelike. The way that it takes roguelike elements and mixes it in is really good because you still have a progression. You still like, you don't have to beat bosses a second time. You can skip levels. So you're still kind of progressing through the game in a way that you're not necessarily starting from scratch every time you die, but there is like a steep death penalty that gives your a lot of tension to the game. Uh, it's, I don't know. Returnal is like shockingly good. Like Returnal is like, Demon Souls good. Like, like whatever the studio makes next is gonna be really, really impressive. And if you can't, if you haven't guessed it, my number one game. What do you guys know what my number one game is? Oh, it's got Orange, it. Orange, like a, Based on your uh because I'm like I'm Xbox I'm Xbox friends with you. So yeah. I keep track of like what game you're always playing. And mm. I'm like, Forza. Gosh, he's playing Forza again, isn't he, huh? <laughs> Forza Five. I, I it's it, I think it's the best racing game I've ever played, and I I like racing games. Although I haven't, I've fallen very out of love with the genre, and haven't played them probably in like a decade. I haven't spent any time. Apparently, all the other Horizon games are, are also more or less this good. But like this game just surprised me, and I just had so much fun. And every time I go back to play it, it's still fun, and it's just like made me love racing games again, and given me an excuse to play a racing game and geek out about cars and it's just a really good mix of like arcadey nonsense and like semi precision that like it, it just has me glued and like exploring that world has just not got boring yet 
So Forza Horizon 5 is my game of the year. Nice. I uh I I agree with that. It's a great game. I missed a game actually. Somehow I skipped. I went from six to four. <clears throat> what happened? Oh, what you skip? I skipped you back for blood. It's my four. number five. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Oops. Uh, back for blood is really funny. cool. It's not as good as Left for Dead, but it's shooting is a lot better than Left for Dead. Uh, and it's still very fun. It's cool to see Turtle Rock making a shooter game again. I liked it. I don't think the maps are as good as Left 4 Dead. I don't think the enemies are as good as Left 4 Dead, but it's still a very fun game, um, and I really do did enjoy playing it. And I will play it more. It's going to have more content, and uh, just fun to play that, that genre again. So, yeah. So uh, what cool. should we? So what should we do? Should we? Uh, we're we're going to cool. make a collective top five based on these three lists, right? This is this is going to be hard. Uh, here's what we should do. Let's take a break and come right back. And let's do this. You guys ready? All right. Hey, this is Zach Frazier, sometimes guest of the show and sometimes YouTuber. It seems I only played seven games that came out in 2021, so here is my top seven, or really just the games I played this year in order of games I liked least to most. Number seven, Maquette. It's an Annapurna-published narrative puzzler which had me interested, but it fails to tie its gameplay and its story meaningfully, and I found the relationship story to be uninteresting, so I did not enjoy it very much, hence the bottom of the list. Number six, It Takes Two. My friend Kaylin and I slogged through this, but we made sure to finish it so it wouldn't beat us. It's like a fine enough game, I guess, just the story was grating and there wasn't anything that blew my mind, we just found ourselves kind of going through the motions. I don't get the love it got. Number five, Before Your Eyes. Jacob Geller was big on this one, and while I think it's decent and novel, the only crying I did was from trying to keep my eyes open longer than I really should have. Truly one of the greatest feats of persistence I've played in a while, but that's probably most of what I'll remember. Number four, Deathloop. We talked about this one on the podcast already, so I'll keep it short. It's a well-constructed, polished FPS that I think was too easy, monotonous, and narratively unengaging for me to love it. Number three, Halo Infinite. I can't say I'm a big Halo person, even having played through 2, 3, and Reach all last year, but Halo's combat scratches a very specific itch, and Infinite did it pretty well. Honestly, I wish the game had more focus on working with the squads of marines you pick up, but otherwise I had a good time zipping around and hitting headshots with a battle rifle. Number 2, Little Nightmares 2. I'm a sucker for these cinematic platformers, and this is a great example of one. If you don't like the genre or are tired of it, maybe stay away, but if Limbo and Inside were your shit, then have at it. Number one, Resident Evil Village. This is a game that pales in comparison to its direct influence, Resi 4, but it's still a campy horror gun range that I can't help but appreciate this year. Might be Stockholm Syndrome or something, but it's like a family member. You will badmouth it all the time, but in the end, you still love them. And with that, we go back to Aaron, Kevin, and Oren. Okay, so here's what we could do is let's take a look at what games are in everybody's top fives and start with those and then see if we need to add stuff there. So, uh, okay, Warren and I both have Returnal and Hitman. Those are both games in the top fives. So let's, let's make a list here. Yeah, just make Returnal. Like a, con- a contenders list. Yeah, Hitman 3, we got Forza 5. Uh, None of us had Resident Evil. one game on all three lists. None of us had one game, huh? No, Forza was in every list. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Was that in your... Um, Resident Evil 8. It's not in your top five, though. It's in your top ten. Oh, yeah, you're right. 
Yeah. There's no top five. Yeah. Well, no, no. I'm saying, but but you and I both had Forza in our top five. Um, yeah. But I'm saying there's not one game that's all three of our top five. I'm saying. There isn't. Oh, I guess not, huh? That's strange. I guess that's good. We have you know different uh, different tastes. Death stores in both of our. Uh, well, I have make my Sto- top five. Oh, it, oh, it make- did make my top five. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, Death Store. Okay, I dig it. Um, Below Zero, Four is the Back for Blood. Uh, the Ascent. Oh, yeah, The Ascent. Uh, um, okay, so is there anything else? Um, Any? Should we? I feel like we should... I guess Halo Infinite's not going to make our top five, is it? It's not going to do it. Yeah. So no. look, look at the contenders list, Kevin. Do you feel like there's anything here like uh, that that you feel is missing that you would want to add to that, or uh, do you think those are the hard hitters? Well, I mean, I would put Subnautica in there, but that's not on your guys' lists. Yeah, but I, I'm okay. It's like, not even like on like your guys' if, like tens even. Yeah, I didn't. I only played like two hours of that game, so mm-hmm. I couldn't, in good faith, talk about it. But I, I think it's. I mean, I, I if you think that should be a contender, let's just put it as a contender. I think like, it's. I think it's that good. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I love okay. the Forgotten City. I think it's the best narrative of the year, but I'm okay with it not being a contender because no one else okay. played it. Okay. Um... Yeah, let's see. Do, what do you guys think of Halo Infinite, though? Should that be on there? Because like, it almost made my top five, but it didn't. It almost made mine, too, but it didn't quite. Uh, I think Kevin doesn't think it should be there. <laughs> it's, not, it's not on my I think list. Because it, I, I think it doesn't hang. It, it, I wish it could, but it, it doesn't quite make it. Um, yeah, one is, thing I do want to say about Halo Infinite, I played through it twice. And so I clearly like that game, but I can confirm that I had the same problems my second playthrough than my first. And I think, yeah, it's just, it's just flawed enough for it not to make it. Yeah. Okay. So if we just take the contenders, this is a pretty, this is a pretty strong list right here. Like I think you guys agree. Is there anything missing here? Uh, let me look again. Um, I I, I yeah. did play some of the Forgotten City and I liked it, but I think um, I I saw what it was doing that was good, but I don't know if it was ultimately a game for me. But I, I definitely appreciate. I think it's it. a pretty good list. I think the games that I want to highlight are there. <clears throat> I feel like we should okay. uh, narr- we should rank it and maybe have two honorable mentions or something because it's seven, right? This is seven. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have to. We have to remove two. Yeah. Okay. Let's remove. We two. don't have to, but uh, uh we I, we could. I mean, yeah. Let's let's figure it out. Let's let's. So to the listeners, we have for our contenders: Returnal, Hitman Three, Forza Five, Resident Evil Village, Death's Door, The Ascent, and Subnautica: Below Zero. Yeah. I'm gonna suggest a controversial cut right up 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 at the top are you guys ready for this yeah yeah i am okay with cutting hitman 3 and the reason three yeah and the reason why i say i'm okay with cutting it i don't know if you guys agree but i mean it's my game of the year it's your game but um it's my game of the year but um as good as it is it is basically glorified dlc 
Like it's yeah. it's like it's the best DLC ever made in my opinion, and like it's my favorite Hitman game. But it's basically an extension of what 2016 was already doing and just improving on it. So I'm okay with cutting it. I don't is, know if okay, you... yeah. Let's 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 uh, let's strike it through for now, but let's not completely. Well, you know what? I feel the same way. Ultimately, yeah. So it's it's great, but it's it's not surprising and as we saw we had historically honored hitman more than once so it's uh it's doing all right yeah let's get all right let's get it's my game of the year not jump crouch's top five fair why did i i underlined it that's not a strike through uh (laughs) it's underlined and strike well and that's how it shall remain no uh okay um anything else that you guys think should be Uh, what do you feel most yeah well, uh, I'll, before you say what you're going to say, I personally did not connect to the ascent, but like I know you guys right. really liked it. But um, anyway, yeah. what were you going to say, Aaron? I guess I was going to. I don't know. It's kind of hard to see what games we would want to limit it off this list. You feel well, very strongly about Subnautica, right, Kevin? Um, I do. So here's the thing: like, um, Returnal, like I probably would have put on my list, but I haven't played it. Like. So yep. it's kind of like you guys didn't really play Subnautica, so it's like the same thing. Yep. Um, so what did we? I also didn't play Death Store. So what did we all play that we all liked? Village. You didn't like Aaron didn't like Village, but Oren I liked Village and Forza. We all liked. <laughs> we all liked Forza, but so Forza's game of the much. year. Some of us not as a. Uh, I for don't. Sure? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I, I mean, don't think. It's not ready for that. I don't know if I know. I, don't we, like, I know, know we I, all liked it. We yeah. all liked it, but like it barely made my top ten. Like I, I like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's if it's my game of the year, but it seems like it would be because it's the most cons- consensus on that game. For at least the it's the only years. one that got three stars. It's only got three uh, stars. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not declare it game of the year yet, but let's consider that it did get three stars. Resident Evil got two, two stars. Returnal got two stars. Death's Door got two stars. The Ascent got two. And stars. the Ascent got two stars. And then the Ascent yeah, um, got one. From one star. So, so. But at the same time, if you feel very strong, I think it's amazing. I think it's a real. I think it's like I. I honestly, there's no game on this that I would cut. Hmm. Village, Forza. Well, I I feel the most strongly about Returnal. I think Returnal is like, that is the uh, of the games on this list. That is the game. If I had played it, I probably I probably would say the same as you guys. I probably. Yeah. It's so, it's so, here's the thing about Returnal. I know you haven't played it, Kevin, but it's just like, I feel strongly about it because it succeeds at everything it does. Like it, um, like, because usually some game, like The Last of Us Part Two, for example, we all love the gameplay. We didn't all really agree on the story. Like some of us, like even I think there are aspects of the story that don't work. I think Returnal's story, for the most part, is incredibly interesting, especially given that it's a triple A game. Like it's, it's willing to not answer all the questions. It's, it's willing to be interpreted multiple ways. Like some people read it as an allegory. Some people read it as like a literal alien world. Like, I don't know, man, Returnal's fucking awesome. That's so. Yeah. I'll also say in, in reference to the story, I haven't beat Returnal, but I'm about halfway through the game. Um, maybe a little more than that, but like the story isn't, it's not a Sony narrative where you're like, there's no walking and slow walking sequences. There isn't long cutscenes. It's very mysterious, like Soulsian stores, uh, storytelling. 
but different. Like it, it uses, it's, it's, you're not reading item descriptions, but it's, it's very minimalist and it's very effective. With, How about this? With it's minimalist storytelling. If I haven't played Eternal, so I don't really have a, I don't have an opinion on it, but you yeah. guys both are endorsing it strongly and it's a consensus based set rule set we have. So why don't you say that's the game of the year? Uh, fours of five maybe would be two. Sent maybe three. Subnautica four. Five village. <laughs> well, one has uh, to. One has to go. I will say, Aaron didn't like Resident Evil Village. I really liked it, but I wonder if you loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I, loved I liked it, it too. Yeah. I will not cut he, the ascent. That's like it the was game that number I, three on both of your lists. So I don't feel like I feel like Resident Evil Village has to stay. Village has to stay, even though I didn't like it. It has well, to stay. Well, then should we? You know what? Maybe we should cut Death Store then, because that was my number five. That was yours, number five, uh, Aaron. And I love that game. I think it's a, an amazing, amazing game. Um, just some of the exploration in that game alone, and the feeling of discovery that in that game was just amazing. But um, there are just other games that I feel more strongly about than yeah that one so okay. uh, it's a great game like but i maybe it shouldn't be the top five hmm. five games now well we got five if we're gonna right, agree we got with five. that yeah yeah uh returnal or for i mean i guess i i feel so I, here's i feel extremely strong about forza and returnal uh and even the ascent although not quite i mean I could be persuaded, but I think yeah, Oren didn't feel as strongly about it. So, so the only um, two that we that we that we tip two endorsements on and one one dislike is Village and the Ascent. Right. Okay. So yeah, two stars and a minus. So the Ascent. And Forza, uh, we all point. endorse. Oren, you like kind of liked Forza, right? But you're not like. It's like uh, I'm it's like okay a half. with Forza. I'm okay with Forza being our game of the year, but. Returnal, like I feel like, has to be number two if we're gonna do that. Yeah. How do you feel about Forza being our game of the year, Kevin? Personally, um, it's fine by me. I think that game, like, was almost like the perfect analogy of what we were just talking about, of like the critics talking about it and like the people liking it. Like, it was like four million people like on launch day. Like, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it wasn't even mentioned in the game awards. Like. <laughs> Right. So, it did win IGN's Game of the Year award. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it won some Game of the Year awards. Yeah, but, but I, I hear but, what you're saying. But, like, like I, think it's a, I think it's a game that's, like, doesn't fit into the critic genre, but it's, like, amazing. It's an incredible game. Yeah. I'm okay I, with Forza being number one. Also, I liked how they, I loved Mexico in the game. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. Why don't we do Forza guess, and then Returnal and then... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should have a vote on Ascent. Village versus the Ascent, and then Subnautica could be number five because I played it. And you guys have played it. Um. So we'll do this. Yeah, I think Subnautica one, has to be number two. five because only one person played it. So it's and between then, Village and the Ascent for three and four. Exactly. What do you feel more strongly about, Kevin? Uh, the Ascent or Village? Descent. Okay. Well, well that's, I mean, that's I, probably I, the tiebreaker then. That's the tiebreaker, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, you said that's my game of the I, year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So, God, I could almost go with Returnal, but I do feel like the idea of us, I like us having a game that all of us played. 
I want, Oren, you're really okay with Forza being our game of the year? Yeah, d- d- um, be, be yep. strong. Don't, speak don't, now or don't forever give hold up your peace. To, don't, yeah, don't give up to peer pressure. <laughs> well, here's, hold, the, hold, here's, hold your the, here's the thing. Here's the thing yeah. about Returnal. You did not finish it, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, though, we should revisit this top five in a year because I think after mm-hmm. everyone has beaten Returnal that it would be our number one. I know that's a pure mm-hmm. hypothetical. However, yeah. Forza 5... Um, I'm okay with that being game of the year for a couple of reasons. One, right, it wasn't represented at the Game Awards. Two, it's I love the Mexico rec- representation um, as someone who lived there and and loves that country. But also, I just think um, uh, it's just it's on Game Pass. It's a great it's a great like uh, reason to get Game Pass. And I just think uh, you know what Xbox hasn't had a lot of wins lately in terms of game of the year like a lot of people don't give Xbox games game of the year so the idea of giving the Xbox game over the Sony exclusive feels like uh feels symbolic right it's like it we're finally bit, yeah. recognizing Xbox you know so um I I'm okay with Forza 5 being game of the year I would even put a little asterisk and just say Game Pass is kind of game of the year, right? Because we got so many great games on Game Pass and Forza Horizon 5 was leading the charge. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, interesting. I Here's how I feel about it. Forza 5, I did not expect to like at all. And I absolutely loved it. And I think that it it's it's such a good... Like does such a good job of like make of showing you what like video games do well. It's just fun. It's joyful to play. I had such a good time with it. Returnal, I had high expectations for. There was a lot of hype. I knew it was my kind of thing, and it still exceeded the hype for me. Um, but like the one thing that like that would make me the, the one reason why Forza is slightly higher on my list than Returnal is like Returnal is a hard game that requires a certain mind like it's not the kind of game i could just play for eight hours straight you know what i'm saying it's like i I played that game in like one to two hour chunks and then i don't play it for a day or two which is why i haven't finished it yet because it's it's like a very intense experience uh forza is just like a like here's a game for everybody that everybody can enjoy that is just like fun you're gonna be happy the whole time like you're just gonna good mechanics cool stuff here's a million cars um I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But no, I I think you're. I think Forza Horizon Five is a great choice for Game of the Year. It's a great game. I have no real issues with it, and I think it's awesome to give an Xbox game Game of the Year. Like this, when, when's like the last time we gave an Xbox game Game of the Year? Like I can't even remember. So. All right. So that okay. Let me let me let's do this again. So we would have Forza Horizon Five would be one. Returnal would be two the ascent would be three um four would be resident evil village and five would be subnautica below zero yeah i think that's well uh, i just realized that resident evil village reveal i didn't even notice that resident evil reveal reveal i didn't even realize that resident evil village reveal yeah 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 yeah. resident that's 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 pretty smart yeah, wasn't that in, in the in the logo? R E. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they show the eight, eight, and then they show. Well, they show the eight, and then they showed the edge bar, but uh, and uh, 
I think I think it's okay for honorable mentions. We put Hitman Three and Death Store. Those will, those will be our two honorable mentions. You know, yeah, I agree. I agree. Because I feel like people, if they like listen to this episode or see like the summary and they see Hitman Three isn't, you know, uh, after us talking <laughs> about it so much, it's like I feel like we yeah. have to have it as an honorable mention. You know what I mean? And also Death's Door, because Death's Door is just such, it's such a good game. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah, Death Store rules. I just didn't play it. Yeah. So. I, I, did I put the Death Store? <laughs> yeah, what the heck, man? I thought you were going to write Honorable Men. <laughs> <laughs> honorable Men. Agent 47 and uh, that little bird from Death Store. This is great. Okay. I think this is a great top five with Honorable Mentions. Yeah. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Um, all right. It, oh, it's uh, locked. One other thing uh, to remind uh, listeners are top five uh uh dlc's remastered and extended edition to put this into perspective is one oh, yeah. re4 resident evil 4 vr number two quake remastered number three near replicant number four mass effect legendary edition and number five metro exodus and uh and then with our actual game of the year it is number one forza horizon five number two returnal number three the ascent number four resident evil village number five subnautica below zero with honorable mentions hitman three and death's door that's a wrap my game of the year all right i i I dig it i feel good about it Uh, i do too fire cry six didn't go further you know uh, it was actually uh, my number one. I misspoke when I said Hitman 3. I, I meant to yeah. say Far Cry 6. Slip of the tongue. <sighs> All right. Uh, good shit. Good shit. That, should, that's a wrap. Should we be negative and say what our least favorite video game experience was this year? Or no? Nah? We should oh, wait, do that. I have a couple of small um, things I wanted to mention. Small, yeah. small quick awards that you guys can just come off the top of your head. Okay. Okay. They're not. They're not big. They're not that fun. But they're okay. <laughs> What's the most underrated game of the year? Hmm. Maybe Death Store. Yeah, I think that's. I I think that's right. Death Store. I I would agree with that. I, I don't. I don't think people talk about that game enough. Although also Returnal, at least if we're talking about like the Game Awards or certain certain critical. Like I think Returnal is spectacular like very special game well remember when gene park in the washington post said that ratchet and clank is the best ps5 exclusive or sony exclusive since bloodborne i'm like i think he miss he miswrote that it's returnal like returnal yeah, he is, misspelled returnal he misspelled returnal no returnal to me is i'm kind of to me that's kind of goes to show how like games media is like really homogenous in their taste because i thought returnal was way more impressive than anything sony's put out in a long time like that game is amazing, um, but yeah, my most underrated game is Death Store. I agree with that. Mine was The Ascent because it didn't get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was better than it, than people said it was. Uh, what was the yeah. best weapon of the year? Best favorite favorite mm-hmm. gun or sword or the rapier in um, Deathloop, the single shot rifle. Oh, the kick in Deathloop. <laughs> I'm I'm cheating and going with the Quake Remastered Rocket Launcher. That's just oh, get out of here! <laughs> get out of here! Quake Remastered Rocket Launcher. Uh, what was your favorite enemy of the year? 
the grunts in Halo Infinite. They, some of the stuff uh, that they say in that game is hilarious. Like when you when they kill you. Hmm. I don't know. I like a lot of the squids in Returnal. The ones that shoot the box, the box of uh, dots at you in the second biome are pretty fucking awesome. Those just because really the box cool. of dots looks so red. What about the giant like Lovecraftian monstrosity in the sand level that has like a billion tentacles and shoots like a barrage at you? That that one's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Um, I feel like I want to pick something from Resident Evil Village, but I'm going to have to go with the uh, Chelserate, which is this large Leviathan enemy in Subnautica Below Zero. They're they're quite uh, powerful, creepy foes. They're scary, large, pretty good. Um, I guess my favorite uh, villain, so to speak, would be like... No, it would be the baby. The baby. The yeah. baby mm, yeah, in the Resident Evil Village. Sure. That thing's incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And their favorite, My favorite villain would be the. Oh, sorry. Wait, wait, no. Favorite villain would be the uh, the housemates in unpacking. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't leave you any space to put your shit. And then, so the last one would be what's the, your best world? Does that have to be open world? Mm. Returnal. Though I really love the Chongqing level in Hitman 3. I, I, I just think the sleek neon look of that level is really immersive and amazing. So the, a tie between those two. Oh, man. Um, that's hard. Let me look at my list again to think about this. <laughs> so I, I can't pick Cause... one. Like I want to pick the Arcology from The Ascent because that's like part of the best Yeah, I think it's the, the Arcology. Um, yeah. But I also really like the uh, underwater area in Subnautica. The whole crater area is just incredible in that game. So... Yeah, I mean the arcology is like one of the best cyberpunk environments I've ever seen in a video game. Like it's top, yeah. top level. It's very, impressive. it's very nice. Yeah. It's it's not that original, but it's it's so well done that it you don't even care. Yeah, it just you just feel it. You can taste it. You can smell the smells in the air. Yeah. All I'm right. trying to think of uh, other like fun uh, fun things, um, but yeah, that's probably best that's soundtrack. Probably it, right? Sound, oh, near, yeah, near replicant oh yeah that's probably gonna be mine <laughs> not even having played it <laughs> that much i played a little bit and it was like amazing near so. replicant's hmm. so good I, I feel like uh if if it qualified for my top 10 it'd probably be like number three i think that game's amazing um i'd say returnal or death's door both had really good music uh returnal's more ambient the death's door stuff's a little more overt but it's really good yeah how about you, Kevin? I don't know. I, I, I think from what little I had played of Near Replicant, I mean, that composer is like so... He's one of my favorite composers of games. He's so awesome. So I That's probably really will have to choose that uh, the soundtrack, yeah. How about... This is a good one. This is probably a good last one, unless you guys think of a, of a different one. How about like best moment in a game like the your just like favorite moment and i think for me it would probably probably be yeah beneviento from uh resident evil village i just thought that level was just terrifying in in just some amazing ways hmm hmm i think yeah oh uh, no i was pointing at you i think mine is probably getting the boys together in forza horizon 5 and getting a nice 
sports car a race and just plan for a couple hours just like that feeling of everyone yeah. together and hanging out was just really awesome i really yeah that is fun. I think also, so for mine, neither of my best moments maybe came from games this year, but like the best overall gaming moment was like the last fight in Sekiro. I've told the story like a billion times now, but like lightning reversing, uh, doing a lightning reversal on the last boss and just knowing that he could not beat me anymore and that he was fucked and just feeling like so like, like the, the, the roles were reversed in that moment and then beating the game shortly after that was just such a like oh my god like you know i'm the master now moment but um but also just raiding and wow with the boys super fun <laughs> definitely uh, consistently fun really fun i agree the wow instances okay. are amazing okay i'm gonna do one more category i feel like we have to do one negative category i know that's not fun but i think we should do one and mine is gonna be what is the most overrated game i'm not let's not do worst game because that's just kicking down but like the most overrated game and uh for me i'm gonna have to go with i'm gonna have to go with death loop i hate to say it mm. i know i like that game i gave it i think a 7.5 but i just think that ign and GameSpot maybe probably unfairly mm. uh overrated and maybe part of the problem is is that like uh, it's just overrated in the sense that um there's just better arcane games that deserve more love. So I'm saying that from a place of love, like Deathloop is overrated, but that means you should play Prey and Dishonored, you know, because those games are better, in my mm. opinion. So mm -hmm. I probably have to agree. I played that game for about two or three hours and it was cool, but I was like, maybe not 10 out of 10, but it was a good game. I definitely could appreciate like what they were doing. But I mean, <clears throat> just, I, I mean, compared to Prey, it's just, it's just, isn't, it's just not Prey. It's not Prey, mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> no, it's not Prey. Um, interesting. I don't know. Like, <clears throat> I, I kind of feel like Resident Evil Village is more overrated, but mostly just because I don't, get it and i think that's a, a me problem more than a resident evil village problem ratchet and clank i understand why it's rated how it is but then i didn't play it so i don't want to say anything about it it's not incredibly fun to play uh, I, I was gonna say ratchet and clank i was really yeah. close to but i think um maybe this is true of Deathloop as well but i think um i think like the, here's the thing like i have this theory that you truly can't evaluate a game until like about three weeks after it launches because usually there's so much hype and all these games journals will be like oh best thing ever oh and then three weeks later they already forgot about it and yeah. ratchet and yeah. clank was like the ultimate yeah this is the best thing i've ever played for about three weeks and then no one talked about it after that and everyone right. and, and then the conversation changed back to like oh it's just an okay game that looks really pretty it is. It does look like I don't want. That's the one thing why I'm, I'm hesitant to say overrated because it is astoundingly beautiful. Like I don't like the style of it very much, but like the the technology on display is is extremely impressive. I I I, I think that's true. I I just would hate to give a game accolades for presentation alone. I think that that is like I I'm against that. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> that line of that's thinking. that is the Metacritic way. I know, and um, that's why I'm like, you know, I I love good presentation just as much as anyone else. But I mean, I just think that yeah. that is not the, the the sole factor of a good game. So no, totally. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, game of the year. That was fun. We'll be back in a year for 
for for more games of the year. But um, now let's uh, let's quickly wrap up with some honorable mentions. Uh, I'll make this quick because I know this has been a long episode. But uh, my honorable mention is Power on the Story of Xbox, which is a documentary made by Microsoft about Xbox and the history of Xbox. And while it absolutely is a piece of marketing material, it is a remarkably candid and insightful and, and really in, enjoyable piece of marketing material. It's like, I think it's, uh, I think there are six uh, chunks that are 40 minutes long. So it's a couple hours long, but it, it really does tell the story of why Microsoft decided to make Xbox, who were the people that did it, what was the key decisions into, you know, different things like why was the Duke so big? Why, why was it so powerful? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and they did a pretty good job going over it. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I got to watch that. Direct Xbox. Is this Xbox. a recommend- is this recommendations? I'm sorry for for some yep, reason. Yep, Rex. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, I uh, I think mine will be the press reset Jason Trier book, which I started reading two days ago, and it's such a page turner that like I, I I haven't been able to put it down. I'm surprised I haven't finished it yet. Um, but if you really want to kind of uh, read these pretty devastating stories of uh, people being in an industry that they love just burn them burn them out completely with overwork but also kind of seeing like you know these journeys and why they're important to tell i think jason trier's press reset book is really important to read and aaron can also attest to that too because he's read it yeah it was great it was a previous recommendation one also his other book uh blood sweat and pixels is is a good read he's he's makes very good easy you know page turners for sure. Mine is uh, Taste of Chicago, Luminati's Deep Dish Pizza, um, recommended by Oren and Aaron. Um, Aaron is an awesome guy and got me that Taste of Chicago for Christmas as a Christmas gift, which was a great Christmas gift, by the way. Much appreciated, bro. Very good. Um, and and just, just uh, for the pizza people out there, the crust is the best part, in my opinion. The crust is insanely mm. good on Luminati's. It's like, it's, I remember Oren, you mentioned that. And I agree. Yeah. It's a, it's a different style than Gino's. Like it's not the crust isn't quite as thick as Gino's. Gino's is like mm-hmm. this like big heavy like tank. <clears throat> the is a little thinner, a little smaller. We actually have one in the freezer right now, and I'm like contemplating making it. Just talking about it right now. We what we had first was the cheese. We haven't had the pepperoni yet, so I will report back uh, on the pepperoni. Yeah, but uh, worth it if you like deep dish. You can get them delivered frozen. They ship it in dry ice. Came in a styrofoam with dry ice in there. Impressive. They've apparently been shipping pizzas since the 90s, frozen. Can you believe hmm. that? Impressive. Comes that with this Taste impressive. of Chicago catalog with all these hot dogs, Italian beef. You can get all this shipped. I was impressed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sh- Chicago food is amazing. It's just you can't eat it all the time. That's all. <laughs> or you can, but you'll you'll end up like Jabba the Hutt. Um, but no, it's yeah. that shit's super good. I'm gonna learn how to make an Italian beef. Maybe that'll be a future recommendation. I, I watched some videos on it on YouTube. I think I can, I think I can do it. I think I know what to do. Nice, very nice. Uh, all right. Well, that was game of the year. Uh, we're we're back in session now, so we'll be back every other week like normal. Thanks for enduring the break, and thanks for listening to this whole thing. Um, Madden, as always, we love you. And uh, we're going to end this. And we'll be back in two weeks. Adios. Adios.